All right, everyone, I'm back for another episode. Now, this time we're talking to Jessica. She is a money coach. Her expertise lies is not only from her experience. Yeah, she's been in your shoes a couple of times before. So regardless if it was a college experience or uh, now just being full grown, grown woman experience, but she's learned from everything that she had to endure and how to work her money to best benefit her now in the future her. So I'm here with Jessica. We're going to have an awesome time talking about how you also can fix your money mindset, think about the finances that you have, learn from her story, and just in general, guys, get another perspective on simple things you can do to become much more financial savvy than what you already are. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Jessica and hear her story. So Jessica, we're so excited to have you here and to talk to you. Um, And can you tell everyone who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about you? Absolutely. And thank you for that lovely intro. That was so nice. I love that. (laughs) You know when people introduce you, it's like, damn, I feel special. (laughs) Because you are. (laughs) But yeah, so I am Jessica. I am from London and I'm a money coach. So that basically means, because not a lot of people know what that is, it just basically means I help you with financial coaching and your money mindset. So financial coaching is basically just the bridge between your financial goals and where you are now. So I'm that person in between that will get you to where you need to go. And um, so about me, so I've actually been coaching for just under a year now. My anniversary will be in February, but I'm actually an accountant by trade. So I'm actually a US and UK tax accountant and I am still working my nine to five. Not a lot of people know that, but I am doing that whilst growing my business on the side. So that is me in a nutshell. And, you know, you mentioned that last part about still working your nine to five. Me too. And guys, if you cannot let go of your nine to five all the way, it's perfectly okay. It's a blessing in a sense to have a job right now. And if you want to hit a certain money amount before you always suggest at least six months or whatever you're making at your nine to five, do it consistent. You see how long it took to get that out. Do it kind of consistent to get that ideal that, yes, I can replace my income. So don't Mm -hmm. feel bad if you still are at your nine to five. It's perfectly okay. So I love that. Now, Jessica, how did you even get to this point to be, first of all, able to have the ability to hone in on what your real niche is and to kind of go after that dream while you're working and handle it? Absolutely. So I don't really have a traditional story as most coaches do. Like, um, my one starts from when I was in university or college, as you guys say. So when I was in university, my first year, I was studying accounting and finance. That's why I went to university to do. Um, and I was ill my first year. So literally this time, six years ago, I was in a hospital bed. Like I literally remember crying in New Year's um, Eve into the New Year. I was like, oh my gosh, like how did I get here? Like what is happening right now? And that led to one thing to another. And the thing that happened next was that my tutor basically said that they'll kick me out of uni because um, I, my attendance was low. Obviously I was in a hospital bed. Of course I'm not going to attend. So I was like, what? Like, how can you kick me out of uni? And me being me, I'm first generation in this country. My parents are Ghanaian, so they came to this country, um, the UK that is, and I'm the first generation here. So they have worked so hard to get me mm-hmm. to that point. Do you see what I mean? And I was like, I can't let them down. I have to find a way. So literally, like, I thought one day, okay, I'm going to have to ask them to bring my books. I was in my hospital bed. I had to find a way. And literally that moment oh my taught goodness. me the resilience, literally, and the discipline that, I didn't even know I had within me, literally. I didn't even know I had that within me, but I actually left with a first class, which is literally the top, the highest grade you can get in university in the UK. 
So that is what I left university with. But then I said to myself, never again will I ever let anyone put me in that position where I have to choose between doing what I really want to do and not actually being able to do it and being ill. Like I felt so low at that point of I had no choice but to like just buckle up and just do it. And I said, never again am I going to let someone put me in that position. So when I left university, I put a five-year limit on um, my time in corporate world so as i said i am an accountant and i said no, i'm not going to be here for any more than five years like i'm going to grow my business and see what i can do so literally in a couple of months i will be leaving because of my five-year limit <laughs> so yeah literally but it wasn't easy because i'm one of those people that jump from basically business to business and when i say that it's only when i realized that money mindset was the issue that's like, oh my gosh, just why I keep jumping from business to business. So like you guys, or maybe like you guys, I was in debt because I kept paying for training programs, I kept paying for this, paying for that, trying to make my businesses work. Not knowing that it's ranking up, ranking up, I'm not making money from it. I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to pay this off now? <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. And that's how I fell into financial coaching. So I literally was researching ways to pay off debt. I was researching ways how to basically separate my accounts not spend because mm -hmm. I'm a spender. Um, I was just trying to figure out ways to manage my finances. So whatever you're probably going through now, whatever you've been through, I've probably been through it as well. So <laughs> literally, I've made some silly mistakes of money, and that's why I I, I think I can help you guys with your finances. Well, I know I can because I've been through it, and I've been able to come out the other side. So that is literally why I became a financial coach. And not only did you come out on the other side, like you said, the fact that and I, guys, you know me, I really hone on or hone in, I should say, into discipline. Like you mentioned, you know, understanding when you were in that hospital bed, all odds was against you. And here someone's telling, you know, that's the time that you're trying to heal. Because I don't know if you guys ever been hospitalized, but I had quite experience this year. I was actually, I underwent five different surgeries within the last 12 months unexpectedly. The last surgery was just a week ago. <laughs> so I'm still technically in the healing process. But that being said, when you're in a hospital and you're hospitalized, the only thing that you're supposed to be doing is fixing your mind on how to heal, how to get better. And you already have enough interruptions with the doctors coming in every, you know, one hour. Then the nurse is doing your, your blood pressure. Your... <laughs> so, so you already are disturbed, right? So the fact that you were still able, <laughs> like, how did you just figure out discipline? You know, I teach that, especially when it's investing, you have to have discipline and, and control your emotions. But how did you really like gravitate to find somewhere to where you could do it with all those distractions. I was literally thinking about the end goal. <laughs> and I'm that sort of person. When you tell me I can't do something, believe me, I'm going to do it twice over. <laughs> Don't tell. For the, I was, the whole time I was thinking about how dare she like try and kick me out. Like who does she think she is? Like literally the whole time, that's what I was thinking. I was like, do you know what? I'm leaving. I'm leaving the first class. Motivation. I'm getting like, a high grade <laughs> to prove her wrong, <laughs> literally. So I guess in a way it was kind of like, don't tell me what I can and can't do which is something that I live by. Like, I hate when people tell me you can't do this. Like, who are you to tell me? Do you know what I mean? Are you God? No. So how can you tell me what I can and can't do? So that is one thing. And then also just the discipline, knowing, okay, they're going to come give them my medicine at like 7 a.m. Cool. So I have, basically, I need to be awake at 7 a.m. <laughs> so from 7 to like lunchtime, I'll be like, okay, I can do this book. And then from the next thing, I'll do this module and stuff. So it kind of distracted me as well. So I wasn't thinking too much because when you're in hospital, it's really not fun, like, what do you do kind of thing you can't really do much and I was there for maybe two weeks 
so um well that was two weeks in and out so i think i actually went for one week came out then went back again mm. because i was that bad <laughs> literally um and then during that time i was like you know what let me just it's, it's a good way to distract myself like i'm bored anyway i can't just be sitting mm. here because when you just literally sit there and do nothing it's like okay you just start overthinking thinking about the worst i'm like yeah i guess it's a way to distract myself as well so that's why i became so disciplined with it i love it and so you achieve your goal um and then afterwards, I, I, I like how you had a realistic goal of five years. For me, um, I kind of segued it from, I utilized, I guess I should say, my corporateness to go from stage to stage to stage. Because one way, guys, that you can increase your income to pay off things is by um, anytime you're offered training at your job, take it, get all the training. If you're, and I suggest if you're not into IT and you're thinking about it, get into IT. It starts off usually at 68000 goes all the way up to 134,000 just with a certificate. If you're in a position, you can take online classes, but it's a way for you to just kind of hop to something that's a little bit more guaranteed while you're working on your business and you're kind of going to literally, um, like you said, kind of hop niche to niche until you really find what resonates with you. So I'm hinting, get a high paying job. If you don't have one, research what does it take to get a high paying job get those certificates, not a degree. So it's not expensive and more debt, but just those certificates to get you to the next level. So when you did that, you set a time frame. Hey, I'm out in five years. So you said, I know the income that is going to be coming in, you know, within this five years. And I know what I need to be doing to get my business going. Um, and that's so realistic. It's so important to see you looked at your own needs to make sure that it was a realistic goal that you could set and achieve. Mm -hmm. And now here you are, able to help other entrepreneurs really succeed in theirs by doing better planning and figuring out how to get that right mindset. So you mentioned you had that, the end goal, you know, that the end game was always at the forefront in your mind. Um, Now that you pass that and you have so much knowledge and the experience to help someone that may have some of the little tiny stumbling blocks that may come and go, um, what would be the first step you would suggest for them to kind of of course, they need to probably have a program and work, guys. You can still Google is a powerful tool. You know, I always say that, but she's offering her services. But what is the first step that you would you would think or kind of like want to mention that they should take? And what's the process? OK, um, I would say definitely the first step is to become aware. And I say that because mm-hmm. not a lot of people know what's going on with their finances. They just, you know, hide. They don't want to see the accounts. They're just like hiding away from it kind of thing. Like you, you, you don't want to open it. You're like, oh, damn. Like, how much is on my credit card? You, you don't know. <laughs> You're just hiding that. Oh, way. I don't want to so, see. <laughs> yeah, literally. And that is where the issue is because until you become aware of what's going on, you can't fix it. You need to know what's going on. And obviously that is a very scary process for a lot of people. And that's where the mindset comes in. But it depends on whether you're in debt or if you have if you just don't know where your money is going then the Mm -hmm. first step is to find out where it's going so you could have like ten thousand subscriptions or if not you can actually just pay or even pay i think there's a lot of free apps that actually just you put your account details in Mm -hmm. like for instance i think mint in the us you have and we have emma in the uk so you can see what subscriptions you have you can see what's going on and that can be a way in case you don't want to physically go through it yourself you can be like oh damn like i've had this subscription for like three years why is it still there kind of thing exactly so that could be a way (laughs) that um you find out and once you become aware of what's going on then that's how you know what to do how to fix it and i actually do something called a money day and that is basically every saturday i kind of review 
what went on the previous week and I see what did I spend my money on basically because I know for me food <laughs> was the problem that's still my problem <laughs> food food is at home but I'll still go to restaurants <laughs> order food in so yeah that's when I started to realize okay damn why do I keep spending so much money on food and then then you can tweak it and see what's going right and what's going mm-hmm. wrong and for me I implemented something called a spend account so my spend account is literally just spend everything in it because I like the feeling of spending everything so I was was like you know what let me actually make a spend account which was very useful for me so I just transfer whatever I get paid I just transfer an amount to my spend account and I know that that is an amount I can just spend completely I don't need to worry about oh I don't have the money blah 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 because I know that I've budgeted it for it basically through my actual account so I would definitely recommend everybody starts a spend account because that is probably the easiest thing you can do obviously a free account whatever just set up set one up and then every month transfer like a fixed amount Mm -hmm. and that's also good because usually like your day-to-day spending such as your groceries or your let's say for instance your takeaways like Mm -hmm. the random expenses they kind of rack up you don't really know what's happening because they're all random but if you know that's coming from your spend account you know how much you're spending every single month and you're going to be like oh damn like i've gone over my budget because you know you only have like say 500 dollars in that account you can't go over that because mm. that's the amount you transferred. So that's what I would say um, would be the first step is to get aware. And then the second step to create a spend account. I love it. I love it. And that's so true. And guys, um, I kind of learned the hard way. Um, so we have a mix, of course, people that are listening. Some of you guys are entrepreneurs, inspiring entrepreneurs, or you're just fine where you at. So everything we're saying relates anyway, because if you cannot take care of your personal finances, there's no way you're going to be able to take care of a business finance. So this is the same way you should run your household, the same way you should run just your bills in general. So all money mindset is just not for entrepreneurs. I want to make sure that's clear. Is still, if you're having trouble and you need some debt to pay off, this is the podcast to listen to. In addition to that, I can testify that I made so many mistakes when I first entered entrepreneurship. Um, and why do you want to enter entrepreneurship? Because really, um, and you can keep me honest when it comes to the UK, but I can definitely say for the United States of America, the tax code was written for ownership. It was written for ones that were doing entrepreneurship at that time. So you're missing out on so many tax benefits. You're missing out on so much money that you could be keeping in your bank and making your, yourself grow in so many different areas if you're not thinking that way. So I just want to put that out there. No pressure or anything. But if you are an entrepreneur and try to inspire, guess what? You're going to get a lot of tax benefits and your income would definitely increase. It's another avenue to draw in more money so that you can have a higher capital to pay off those things and live a lifestyle that you probably will want. So that being said, I made a lot of mistakes. And so a quick fix that you don't want to do, but if you are in the situation that I'm speaking of right now, uh, when I first started my business in like 2017, um, I came back again two years later in 2019. But between that time, I had so many expenses. I mean, I was ordering stuff that I didn't even know if I needed it. But because the entrepreneur told me they needed it, I had the, what is it called? The, the shiny, um, shiny, shiny object syndrome. I had that so yeah. bad. So I was buying everything. I mean, everything. And I wasn't utilizing it. So before I knew it, my overhead, the amount that cost me to run business was way out of control. And I was really bringing nothing in. So to fix the problem, the entrepreneur mistake that I made was that I just went to my 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 bank, which if you're an entrepreneur, let me get my hand out so you guys can see me. 
smack your hand, smack on my hand if you do not have a business account. Get legitimate, get your LLC or whatever entity you want to classify your business, get a business account. So I had a business account at the time and because things were just coming in so shaky, I actually just asked them to change the credit card number. So that's a quick way. If you have no idea what you're spending, <laughs> it's out of control. You're trying to reset now and listen to exactly what Jessica is telling you to do to make that spending account. Start over fresh. Go to your bank, get a new credit card, get a new account number. Um, some, depending on how you set those accounts up, they may still be able to, um, to basically bill you. But you're going to know it now. Now you're aware. Most of them will stop because they don't have access. The other ones you're going to see when they come in. And then you can proactively call them and say, hey, I just saw a charge that came up. I do not or I no longer need your services. Please refund me my amount. And you can keep track that way. That's a kind of like a shortcut, but it's bad. So I just want to put that out there in case you ever get into a situation that I made the mistake for. But you want to definitely listen to what Jessica is saying. Um, True Bill, Mint, all those different apps can totally help. So that's such good advice, Jessica. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah, it's only because I've been through that as well. I was like, why do I have all these subscriptions? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I was like, yep, cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> like, also, another thing I would say is like, if you have loads of bills coming out of your account, um, maybe try and change the date because I changed my date of my bills to be within mm. one week. Because I don't want to be thinking about bills like for the whole month. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be thinking, oh, do I have enough money in my account? Blah blah. blah. No, just just take it out either on the same day, <laughs> so I know exactly. it's gone. I don't need to wait for it until the next month, or just take it out within the same week, so I know okay, this is my bills week. Everything's coming out of my account on this week, so I don't need to worry about it the rest of the month. So that's another great thing you can do. I love it. I love it. And so now that we they know how they can kind of get started and set separating their mind and understanding what's coming in, set up that spending account to kind of cut some things off. Um, after they get that undergo, we talked about money stories before. Everybody has a unique money story, your first experience with money, how you felt when you had money. Perhaps you didn't have a lot, so you have a scarcity attitude. So every time you get money, you don't realize it, but you're spending it way faster than you're getting it. So it could be that type of issue that we can help you with. She, Jessica, has a, a plan that can get you that right mindset to get rid of that scarcity mindset so you can start knowing what you have. No, I got a lot. And I just have to know how to maintain it and maintenance it to get it out of there. Um, but when I say that, can you share with them maybe your first money mind or your money story? What, what made you really feel like, oh, crap, I messed up so that you could fix that money story to rewrite your own money story to go in a positive way? Was it an incident with money that kind of got you over your head in debt? Yeah, I guess it was that and a mixture of like hearing things from childhood. So as I mentioned before, my both my parents are Ghanaian and they're kind of the complete opposite of money. So my mum is the saver, my dad is the spender. So my dad is an accountant, which is probably why I became one as well. <laughs> That's a story for another day. And then my mum is someone that works with kids in schools um, with the catering and stuff. So my mum's obviously on the lower income, my dad's on the high income. And my mum will always be complaining, oh, you're spending too much and all of that. And then my dad is the one that will spend all the money. But then I would see when I was younger that my dad will come home later. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly, if I want to make more money, I need to work longer hours. I need to work harder and stuff. But I was like, wait, is that actually true? So one day it actually hit me. Like, for instance, like the job I have now is not that hard. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when I worked in retail a long time ago, I found that a lot harder than working as an accountant because 
it was it was more demanding i was like mm-hmm. but wait i got paid way less then compared to where like how much i get paid now because like clearly that is not true so then that's when i started diving a bit deeper into money mindset and also all the failed businesses i previously had because i was like how comes a loads like one of them being property i keep seeing a lot of people successful but I'm the one that's struggling. Like, I'm not that person to blame other people, be like, oh, this guru lied to me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, because clearly if it's working for him, then I must be doing something wrong. And that's when I found out that I had so many limiting beliefs, like, for instance, that I can't make money as a young black woman. I was like, because who's going to buy from me? That's like literally one of the limiting beliefs I had. But I was like, wait, there's Oprah. <laughs> like, oh, let's, let's be real, that's not even true kind of thing. So I basically had to find ways to kind of like just counteract and just contradict Mm -hmm. what I believed was possible for me and with that that's when I actually started to see a change in my money and started to see a change in what I actually do so I would say that with a money story you probably learn it from childhood because it's usually between the ages of like two and eight slash eleven when your brain is like a sponge so you're just absorbing literally everything from your surroundings so you probably picked up a money story that's probably not even yours let's be honest it's not yours you picked it up from someone else it could be a family member it could be school it could be a teacher whatever you were around at that age that's where you've picked up your money story so now as an adult it's up to you to question okay is this really true like is right. it really true that I need to work hard for money is it really true that you know I, I need to work long hours or is it true that black people don't have money like to pay for my products and stuff I'm like no not really so once you've questioned it then you can start to rewrite the story which is the last step is to start reframing what you believe was possible after you contradict it and that is how you can literally change your money story so literally the first step is to become aware like what happened when I was a child second step is literally to contradict is it really true and then the third step is just to rewrite what you think is possible and what you want in your future I really like that And you hit on a really good point because um, even though we're in two different countries, you're in the UK and I'm in the US, both countries are so diverse. Um, And and it's it's funny that we, I have that same belief too, you know, I'm an African-American woman, where where am I going to really go? You know, but, and I did literally have to start at the lowest position as a claim processor at, at the, in the corporate world. But then I went all the way to management, you know, so it it shows you that it's not we think that sometime and maybe sometime, guys, and I'm just putting out there, you could feed into things around you, like she said, to make up your money store. Maybe it's the media, maybe it's the social post or things of that nature. But no, the skies are limited. Who you surround yourself with that don't think like that, they're going to rub off on you eventually. And then you're going to see, wait a minute, that's just my limited belief. I can remove that. And it just goes to say I have a, a... one of my, my really good friends, she's Caucasian, and she actually had the same um, belief that, you know, I'm in a, a diverse area, so nobody's going to buy from me. So it goes both ways. It goes always. We all have something that's limiting us to where we don't need to stay in the box. Guys, guess what, guys? No. You, it's, it's a billion people in this world. Over a billion, of course. So don't don't quote me on that, but Google and see the <laughs> amount of population. <laughs> but that being said... Almost every land has the internet. There is someone out there that will resonate uh, with what you are saying. They're going to be like, that is the message for me. That is the way I think. That is the way I want to rewrite my money story, right? So there's room for everybody in this world. You just have to package yourself, package your beliefs, rewrite your story the way that you want it to be told and just go for it. None of us has any limitations on us when you think about it. So I so appreciate that point you brought out. 
Yeah, no, definitely. It's 100% true. Everyone could do anything literally possible in this world. It's just up to you. And the one thing that's going to stop you is your mindset. That mm-hmm. is literally it. Like, you'd be surprised how things have just been falling into my lap once I start saying, okay, I'm a money coach. This is what I want to do. Like, once you say it out loud, it becomes real. And then, you, and then do you know what's weird? People actually want to help you. Like, they want to help you reach your goal. Like, that's why I'm really a firm believer of telling people what you want to do. Because you never know who you're speaking to. It's like, oh, I know a person that can help you with that. Mm-hmm. You literally never know. And then you start seeing, like, the pieces just falling together. And it's just amazing when it just happens. So, literally, anything you want to do is possible. You just need to get over the mindset hurdles the hardest thing to get over because literally the strategy is not that hard (laughs) let's be honest anyone can be a millionaire let's be quite honest with you it's just the mindset that's going to keep you stuck where you are you're going to try and get back into old ways which will make you not become a millionaire but honestly the strategy is there for you to become a millionaire there's so many paths you can Mm -hmm. do it literally where in the day and age you can be an influencer you can be a youtuber but you know what i mean you can do it it's just the mindset that's literally going to keep you stuck so that is why I'm a firm believer. That's why within my programs, whatever I teach, I always have three pillars, which is debt reduction, maximizing income and money mindset because money mindset is key, literally. And it's so key to where if you don't set the money mindset, like you said, to even get your goals going in the long run, um, it impacts because, and I'll give you guys an example. I'm thinking back to when I first started trying to become a funded trader. So um, that's basically, I can ask the company, I'll prove to them first off by doing evaluation after I pass evaluation of successfully, maybe trading future contracts, they would then partner me up with a, a real company that will give me a hundred, 250 K for an example, to, to basically trade on their behalf. And then you keep 80% um, percent of the earnings and then they get 20. So what an awesome deal, right? But what I didn't know is that when I first started the process, I had this mindset that if I lost a trade, I had to keep going until I won again. And before I knew it, I was in further, further um, deficit when it came to investing and trading because my mindset was greedy. I just need to keep going and keep going until I hit a certain number. And that's not right. So exactly what you're saying, if you start from square one, not only would it help you reach your goals, it's going to help you obtain your goals. So you guys can look at people that might not have a money mindset and, and it, it shows because they start getting a little bit successful, but then some kind of way because it wasn't set in stone for a real mindset change or a shift. Guess what happened? They end up sabotaging yourself and then they just kind of go downhill from there. So you don't want to you don't want to do that, you know, and that's why it's important to set a good foundation when it comes to the right, healthy, proper mindset around money so that you're utilizing as a tool you're utilizing to gain um, the right stability for yourself and to really help others around you and that's going to really empower you and then not only are you being hospitality in a sense when it comes to money but you're helping those other people so the way that you laid out your program that step one is so vital it's going to be with them for the whole entire duration you might as well say yeah literally mm-hmm. and like although i don't like the guy donald trump is a great example of this because he has lost so much money, but there's a reason why he was able to make millions back in such a short space of time, because he set his money mindset to millions, <laughs> literally. And that's what the issue is. When you set your, like you want to up level, but you, you, you're just, you set your money mindset to basically the baseline, which is zero. So every month you're hitting that zero, whereas Donald Trump has set it to millions. So it doesn't matter. He can lose all his money again. He's going to make it back. Because once you set your money mindset to a level that you know that, okay, this is my new level, 
even if you lose it, you're going to make it back. That's, there's a reason why a lot of entrepreneurs lose all their money and make it back in such a short space of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone that can win the lottery has literally can spend it all and they can't make it back because they haven't got the mindset. <laughs> that is it. That's it. Yeah, that mindset is so key. And you also hit on a couple of other good points about your program. The fact that you actually provide, um, and I'm just summing it up, guys. This is what I just kind of picked out some of the little gems that she was dropping. <laughs> and and I'm hinting to you too. look in your membership, get those gems, and then kind of see what she got to offer, right? So, so that you guys can start getting on the path to success. Um, but that being said, you also hint kind of like really a roadmap in a sense, a step-by-step. Let me show you how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt how to um, fix your mind on the more uh, um, level up items when it comes to money that you can really obtain so it's realistic. So so those are some really awesome steps to go through because a lot of people, um, that's the biggest barrier is trying to get rid of, especially credit card debt because that's, that's the type of debt that really, really make your credit score way down. Um, just so you guys know, that's like the heaviest part. So if you are over, for an example, 30% of your utilization, which means how much you use on your credit card, you have a $10,000 credit card limit, and you met, you've already used 4,000, then you're over your 30% utilization. You should be 3,000 or below. When you do that, they don't like it. And so they will rate you harder for that debt that you have on your credit card because the interest, interest is so much higher. And normally the, the thought process is, when you can't pay the regular payment and then interest is compounding on top of it, they're going to keep you further and further in debt. So they're thinking you're not a good managed money management person. And that's why your credit score goes down. So she's giving you some options of how you can successfully make a roadmap in a sense to get out of debt. Um, so can you tell me a little bit maybe uh, of uh, some of the things that you do to help help ones that may, especially with credit card debt, to get a yeah, plan? So yeah yeah of course yeah so with credit card debt we finally well it depends on the strategy you want to use because there's different ways to get out of debt depending on the person so a lot of people like the snowballing effect which is to pay off the lowest ones and then accumulate it so basically that means that if you have a credit card with 1k on it another credit card with 2k you'd pay off the 1k first and then the money we're using to pay that off completely you put it on the second credit card if that makes sense mm-hmm. so then you paid that one off so you start with the smallest first get rid of it then you start compounding. Or a lot of people try and do another technique, which is to pay off the ones that's the highest interest. It really just depends on the person. So the first step with debt payoff is firstly see how much it is, see how much interest is in every single card or whatever the debt is. It could be a mortgage, it could be whatever it is. And once you've seen how much it is, decide what method you want to use. Do you want to pay off the smallest first? Or do you want to pay off the one with the highest interest? Or do you want to pay off the highest one first? It's totally up to you, whatever one works for your personality. Because there's not really a cookie cutter approach. And I think that's the issue that a lot of people, financial people make with um, basically helping people with personal finances. They say, you need to do this, you need to do this. I'm like, no, you don't because everyone is different. Mm -hmm. I might not like that technique, so I'm not going to stick to it. (laughs) I want you to do something that you're going to stick to. So if whatever strategy that is for you, stick to it. And then once you've paid off whatever one it is, then just, that's not the end. That is not the end because you're either going to feel one of two ways. You're either going to be scared and never, mm. ever put money on a credit card ever again, 
oh, you're just going to get back into your old ways. <laughs> I would hope that you're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I would hope you're somewhere in the middle. And what I mean by that is you're not scared to not spend anymore. Like, you're not mm-hmm. scared to get into debt anymore. But you don't go back into your old ways. So what that means is then we then put a roadmap in place to say, basically, this is how much you can spend on your credit card each month. You will be paying it off every single month. So bear that in mind kind of thing. So you can still spend on the credit card, but you're just going to have to pay it off every month or pay off as much as you can like a maximum like only leave like a minimum amount on the card i love that and i'm laughing over here guys because literally you know how many times and i'm just being 100 percent transparent but um i would you know want to have goals and me one of my closest friends we talk about this all the time and i my typically what i do i use a credit card and right now i pay it off before the 30 days so i do not even occur interest that's how you utilize a credit card i'm just going to leverage your your money that you're giving me properly and then pay it off now whenever there's something that is just irresistible to buy i can totally do without it but sometimes i don't so i'm laughing at myself because i have those conversations with different friends it's like why did i put that right back on the credit card and i know you know i just paid it off to zero but why am i torturing myself by buying more things so it's so true you're, you're right either one or two ways you're going to go either you're going to keep the good money habits and, you know, but you could be scared to death or you're going to accidentally put it back on there and then become the same habit. So finding that nice balance, sometimes you need to be coached through that, guys. <laughs> and it's not just your friend. Yeah, that's where the mindset comes in as well. Yeah. That is literally where the mindset comes in. But me just talking to a friend is not going to do it. So let's be clear I on mean, that, it, guys. It can. It depends on the friend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the friend. I have not found a friend like that. I need a coach because my friends would talk me into but wait a minute christine did you see dealers had a really good sale you missed that one pay that off so you can yeah. go <laughs> and then what i love is oh life is too short you know you need to treat yourself <laughs> no i treat myself with cash <laughs> i love it <laughs> so now that we have that i mean if i wing our money mindset we figure out when it comes to debt a really good strategy and and again if you need assistance guys reaching out to the appropriate type of person money mindset coach and a strategist that can help you actually lay out that whole um, plan because it's, it's your personal roadmap in a sense to financial freedom because these are just small steps that you're doing to gain that financial freedom and we all know when you have a ton of debt or even sometimes just a little it just depends on like you said their personality because mm-hmm. you you have a tendency to feel like you're enslaved to debt you know so some people are good with it and, and can handle it as they slowly go through the road to gain that financial um, security, or I shouldn't say security, it's never secure, but freedom. Um, and then yeah. sometimes other people have a hard time. So you guys, I, I think I mentioned it before for some of the members, um, but for me, um, I started off coming out of college. Well, after college, um, I obtained three different master's degrees. Yes, my return on investment is really good because I have a guaranteeing income from my nine to five, right? But I also have the ability to make entrepreneurship and actually coach things that are in my degree. So that's why you guys now know who I am and why you can rely on me on how to invest and how to trade because I have something backing on my name, but I wouldn't have it without obtaining those degrees. But in return, it's a lot of debt. So for me, I I did in the past have six figures of student loan debt. And that could be overwhelming. That can actually cause somebody to be paralyzed and not make a move at all and think that everything is is hopeless. I'll never pay this off. But my mindset was stuck on, 
No, let me learn how to do some more different type of versify my trading. Oh, I can do future trading, put in maybe a two or three days work and make it additional $3,000 a month to pay it off in a year. So these are the type of things that we're talking about strategies. You might not be there now, but my mindset was already fixed on, I don't care about six figures. I can pay this off. I just got to have a strategy to do it. So that's what Jessica's telling us is once you understand where you are, you know your truth, your worth, and how much you have in expenses, how much you are making a month, how much you need to pay off successfully to have the type of lifestyle you want. Now it's time to map it out and make a plan. And you got all the help. I love having different perspectives. So Jessica's programs that she have offer that and so much more. And one thing I love about Jessica, if you guys cannot already tell, she's so easy to talk to. So easy to talk to. Um, your experiences make everything that you explain so relatable as well. Um, and so do do you offer one-on-one coaching for people? And if if yeah, if I so do. or not, that's okay. Actually, yeah, that's only the that's the only thing I offer because a lot of people don't like being in groups when mm. you talk about money. <laughs> they don't mm. like sharing with other people. So I was like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. I tried that. It's a real good point. I tried that last year, August. It's like, let me scale to a group. Pro- yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it was a big <laughs> But yeah, so um, I actually have a masterclass coming up on the 24th of um, Jan. So if you follow me on Instagram, it's literally just my name, at Jessica Danawe, N-A-R-W-E-H. You'll find out more information on that because I haven't actually set up, it, set up on my website yet. Um, but li- literally, the masterclass is just going to be going through everything I've talked about. So like my framework, which is the debt, maximize your income and the um money mindset so that's literally what i'm going to go through so i can give you a roadmap it's a free masterclass by the way um a roadmap for paying off your debt so if that's something you're interested in please um, check out my instagram um but my coaching is i currently do a discovery session which i call the money mastery session so just a 75 minute one-off session just to basically create the roadmap for you so this is, we're going to look into your finances. So if, in, if you're scared about looking at your finances yourself, then this is going to be the session for you. So you can be with me. We'll go through your finances together, see what's going on, see if your money is meant to be going in the correct places. If not, then we'll tweak and make a plan for you, depending on what your goal is, whether that's to pay off debt, whether that's to um, maximize your income. Um, it just really depends on what your goal is. And once we have that in place, it's your choice whether to work with me for six months for the actual accountability and implementing everything along the roadmap that we created together. I like that. You have that implementation, which is so vital. A lot of times people can take um, a one-on-one. And I've had, guys, let's be honest. Um, I've had one-on-ones before too by so many phenomenal people. But sometimes, you know, it was the, they they sold, you know, I'm going to teach you. And they did. But the implementation was not part of their program. So I learned the hard way. Like, oh, I have to go somewhere extra to get the implementation. How do I implement this? into my actually everyday life so I can see the benefits and the impact. So I love the fact that you already have that implemented and it's personalized because like you said, investing and trading is personal, you know, paying off credit, personal, understanding your, your net worth. Once you figure out your expenses and how much you actually have, that's personal. So what an awesome thing that you're doing. Oh, yeah, no, my way I can help people because that is really one of my goals is just to help a lot of people build generational wealth. Like it's not, it's not every day, you know, rely on people to, you know, provide for you. Like, no, you can do it, especially women. So, yeah, I love it. 
And then, too, guys, I'm going to also add um, all her information um, into the podcast. And if you're watching this via uh, YouTube, I'll also make note of that, too, so you can have an uh, easy way. Now, Jessica, let's just say someone's looking at this six months down the road. Is it possible to have replay of uh, some of the older um, master classes that you may be doing in addition to? The- yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, it should be because I'll be saving that somewhere. Don't know where that somewhere is yet, but I, it will be somewhere probably my website. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, guys, I wanted to mention, as you know, um, there's an old saying, birds of a feather flock together. So I try to surround myself with ones that are like-minded that actually um, are trying to also um, better their self step by step. It's not large steps all the time, but we can always learn something from someone else. So that's why I want you to have a different perspective too. Not everyone that you're going to to learn or, or meet will be able to resonate with you and be able to benefit you and just jump right out for you to have someone to work to. But the more perspectives that you have, um, is it's better. You know, maybe maybe you uh, are really good like man Christina, you just break down the trading and investing. But I might not do just what you need for how to get out of that credit card debt exactly holding your hand to do so. So that's why I'm introducing you to a good friend, Jessica, because she can. And then you guys might meet her and there might be something that maybe you need to. Um, I'm trying to think of something to buy a house. You know, you're ready for that big finance. And that might not be her will of genius, right? Her her will wheelhouse, if you will. So this she because we all are trying to build a community and network will tell you who is a good real estate agent who can give you everything you need to buy your first home and so on. So I'm just making sure you understand this is how this works. You want to continue to build and learn from each other. There's so many valuable points that we can do. Uh, And that being said, Jessica, you have anything else you can share and give some value to them? I think I've covered everything. Um, Obviously, my DMs are always open. If anyone Mm. needs anything, like just literally feel free to drop me a message on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram, but I still do reply to Facebook. But <laughs> your best bet with me will be Instagram. And can you tell me your website, even though I'm going to drop the link? Yeah, of course. So it's Jessica Narwell. So Jessica, and then N-A-R-W-E-H, um, dot com. Awesome. Literally. Awesome, guys. So you heard when the, the intense masterclass is coming up, um, you heard about the one-on-one uh, session that you can have. And how you can just get all the gems that we've been dropping, but basically customize it for you. So look inside the membership as well. If you're not a member, go ahead and sign up for my $97 a month membership. So you can have this and so much more. And um, just a connection away from Jessica as well. So guys, I will see you later. And Jessica, we so appreciate you coming out and speaking with us today. This was an awesome time. Thank you. Thank you. It's been amazing. The amazing part was on our behalf. So thank you. (laughs) And until next time, guys, I'll see you inside the membership or back here. Recording in progress. Hey, everybody, back again for another episode. Now you have to make sure you have your pen and paper handy. I have Shaquana with me today and we are about to have another awesome time discussing how you can better your finances because she is a personal finance coach. Again, as always, I love for you guys to have a lot of different perspectives on how you can become financially savvy, which avenues that you can actually take that work for you and your family as you're on the path to financial freedom. So I am excited to pick her brain, to talk to her, to 
because we always can learn something. So I know I'm going to learn a lot today. She's already shared so much with me and I kind of got my pen and jot some things down too. So without further ado, let me introduce you guys to this awesome personal financial coach. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for your clients and um, anything fun that you want to say. Hey everyone. So as Christina stated, my name is Shaquana and I'm a personal finance coach and I help professional millennial women of color achieve financial independence by shifting their beliefs towards wealth building. I've been a personal finance coach for about six years now. And my personal finance story is that I struggled with debt for close to 20 years. And it all started as a freshman college student at the University of Pittsburgh, go Panthers. <laughs> and I wanted to go on spring break with my girlfriends, but I was a typical college student. I was broke. I didn't have money. And I had a work study job, but it was just enough just to give me food outside of my meal plan during the week. So I was running out of options. But one day after um, class, I saw a table outside of my dorm and they were promoting credit cards. And if you sign up for a credit card, you would get a t-shirt and a mug. And I approached the table and the lady was like, well, if you fill the application, you'll get a decision within a week and your credit limit will probably be $500 and you'll get approved. So she already knew I'm gonna get approved before I even put in the application. <laughs> <laughs> so she was an expert. So I said, okay, you know, no problem. All they asked for was my social, my name, whatever. They didn't even care how, how, how I was gonna pay it back. They just wanted my information. So I put the information in a week later. I got approved and then I maxed out my credit card and had a good time in Universal Studios in Orlando. One week and, later. <laughs> yes, literally <laughs> a week later. <laughs> and that really started my love-hate relationship with debt. Like I love the fact that you can pull out the little piece of plastic and get whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it. But I hated the fact that once I got it, I always felt after I made the purchase like, uh-oh, how am I going to pay this back? <laughs> so I never would pay it back, you know, within a week or 30 days. And usually you'll be laying for years and years. So that went on and off for the course of 20 years. And during that time, I graduated from college, got a master's. I had a great job. I was a homeowner. So on the outside looking in, you would think, okay, she got it going on. You know, she must be got a lot of money stockpiled in her bank account. That was not the case. <laughs> I was really struggling to figure out how to get out of debt. And over that course of time, of course, when you do achieve, you know, those milestones in life, graduating from college and getting the house, of course, you want to have a certain lifestyle. And I love mm -hmm. to travel. So I would travel anywhere and eat out with my friends, do all these things. But I was doing it on credit cards. And it got to a point where I had accumulated over $200,000 of debt. I was literally living paycheck to paycheck. I was basically getting paid on Friday. And by the next Tuesday, I was broke mm -hmm. because I was paying all my bills first. And then whatever little money I had left over, I would try to stretch it for two weeks, which was impossible. So I was living on credit cards just to basically eat and maintain my lifestyle. A vicious cycle. Yes, a vicious cycle. And it would be periods of time when I did pay off significant amount of debt, but I go right back into it a year later. So on New Year's Eve in 2017, 
you know, how you reflect on your year and the goals you've accomplished. And every year, I think for the last three or four years, I've said, oh, I'm going to try to pay off X amount of thousands of dollars of debt. And I never did it because I never thought about it until December 31st. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know what, Shakrana, I got it. I'm tired of playing magic tricks with my bank account. I'm tired of, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. I just, it was too overwhelming and very financially stressful on me. I got to do something different. I can't figure it out. And I've been trying to. And then I think a lot of it is just having that shame of really facing the reality mm-hmm. that you don't have the solution. You need someone that's smarter than you and has the solution that can help you get out of debt quickly. <laughs> so I took this um, leap of faith and I did some research and I found a nine-week financial coaching program, which was Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University. And I followed Dave Ramsey for about probably on and off for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And for the last couple of years before I made a decision to invest in this program, it started really resonating with me because before I really wasn't ready to get out of debt, I just figured debt is normal. As long as you're paying your bill, your, your bills and you're paying your monthly payments, you're fine. But what I was realizing was I wasn't really making any progress. Mm-hmm. All I was doing is just paying interest. I wasn't really paying down that principal and getting rid of that period. And I really had to shift my mindset to say, I'm ready to be out and out for good. I don't want to go back because this is not what I want to be doing for the next 20 and 30 years right. struggling with my finances. So I knew that his plan worked because thousands of people have gone through his plan there were people that were making more than me and a lot of people making less than me that were getting out of debt within a short period of time. And I'm like, well, heck, if they can do it, why can't I? So I just took a leap of faith. I enrolled in the program with my husband. We went through the nine week program. We did our first budget and I never really did a budget before. My budget was looking at my online banking and kind of see what's in my, my savings and my checking. And if those were depleted, then I'm going to use the credit card. (laughs) So I never really thought about tracking my expenses. But when I did and did my first budget, I found that I was overspending by $3,000 a month. Hmm. That's the eye opener. Paycheck to paycheck. So I did my first budget. I did my debt elimination plan because my plan was to get out of debt within five years. And 20 months after completing that program, so 20 months after April 2018, which is when I completed the program, I paid off $169,000 of debt. Wow. And that's basically what I teach my coaching clients today. That's that. under two years. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I teach them basically my proven plan of how I did it. And as long as you have a plan and you follow it and you be consistent, mm-hmm. anything's possible. Anything's possible. And I like how um, you already first talked about the point that you wasn't this guru that knew everything about finances, even though you went to college. And that's what we sometimes we get stuck in, regardless if you have a college degree or not. We all have a money story that we tell ourselves. And if we don't have a money story that we rewrote as adults that's benefiting us, then in that case, we can get ourselves in trouble. But the key is, is not the end of all things. You can get easily out. And you made a plan. You made a plan. You stuck with it. And the fact that you did that in two years. Okay. So you really got to tell us a little bit about 
<laughs> from, from, from shifting your mind to realizing, man, you know, I'm struggling with that because you was kind of set up. And guys, I did the same thing when I was in college. Those T-shirts are very, very, you know, hey, who doesn't want a free T-shirt? <laughs> so right, so we right. all can fall victim to getting a credit card, not knowing how to use it. But the thing is, once we have that knowledge, we know, hey, you don't you want to pay that balance off every month. You want to do X, Y, and Z. If we don't do it, it's okay. We make a plan and get out of it. So tell us more about once you really started this program that helped you relieve so much of that debt over 169K, how did you even know where to start without getting overwhelmed and staying on that path to where you actually was successfully paid that large amount off in that short period of time? Sure. And, you know, one thing, Christine, that you mentioned, too, was like the whole thing of being college educated. So you should know everything and have all the <laughs> all the answers to all your problems. Right. And a lot of people say, you know, personal finance is common sense, but it's not common sense to everybody. To me, mm-hmm. personal finance is a learned skill, just like investing is a learned skill or whatever your passion or whatever you're trying, whatever new skill you're trying to develop, you have to learn it. And that's the way I had to learn personal finance because in my family, you know, it wasn't talked about. And a lot of families of color, we don't talk about how to manage money. All we know is we have to get a job. We got to pay these bills. We got to work hard and make sure we don't get fired. That's all we know. (laughs) Everything else we kind of figure out, you know, during the process. So I had to learn that skill of really managing my money. But to answer your question, I really followed the debt snowball method, which is basically um, looking at all your debts and lining them up from the smallest debt to the largest debt. And basically, once you have your budget and know what your expenses are and what your monthly debt payments are, you pay the minimums on all your debt payments. And then your smallest debt, any additional savings that you can squeeze out of your budget, you add that extra savings to your smallest debt. Mm-hmm. And then once the smallest debt is eliminated, then you go to the next highest debt and do the same thing until basically becomes a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. And that's where the acceleration comes through. So for my $109,000 of debt, which is a large portion, large portion of my debt, the biggest debt I had out, out of that was my rental property. Mm-hmm. So that was about $120,000. And I was basically paying two mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very difficult. And at first it kind of worked because, you know, I, I had a renter, but then it was a period of times when I didn't have a renter. And the 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 rental payments wasn't covering the mortgage. And mm-hmm. it was killing me every month, especially as I was going through this process. So I had to make the decision to sell the property in order to really alleviate a month that savings that I could add back into my budget and put that towards my debt payment. Mm -hmm. So that was really a majority of it. Then it was about 30,000 of student loan debt, which I was Mm -hmm. so proud to pay off. Now it took me 20 years to do it, but (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) But it's going, you know, nappy and goodbyes. (laughs) And then the rest was, um, credit cards and um i think it was a line of credit that i had as well for um a heating unit that i purchased with my rental property but the the death snowball really worked well for me because for me i like simple Mm -hmm. so it was very simple for me to follow and kind of figure out okay this is how much debt i have this is the time period i want to pay it off in and then for me what was motivating with the death snowball method is that 
you feel so encouraged when you're paying off those small debts at a time. Yeah. So when I paid off like one of my credit cards, which I think small, was like a thousand dollars or something like that. When I paid it off, I was like, okay, this actually works. And then I paid the next payment to the next highest one. I think that was about two to three thousand dollars. And then you know, as time went on, I would try to find additional ways yeah. where I can save more money. And my biggest expenses at the time was my grocery bill. Mm-hmm. I was spending, I think, about. $900,000 on groceries a month. So I found ways to cut that in half to mm-hmm. even accelerate my debt repayment even faster so that I can really see those savings over time. So that was pretty much my strategy to eliminate the $109,000 within that 20-month time frame. I love that strategy. And when you really think about it, uh, you were closing so many, um, I call them the the financial feed loop, in a sense, you're feeding your brain that by me doing this, by me taking the initiative to start the process, when you actually pay something off, that loop is closed. Instead of you feeling like you're just spending money on just, for example, guys, if you have a credit card, that's a thousand dollars and you max it out for a thousand dollars. If you pay just the minimal payment, the loop is never closed because you're paying a payment, but the debt is still there. You're paying a payment, but the debt is still there. And then sometimes you see it go higher because you have something called interest. That interest is now piling on that same amount every single month when you don't knock big chunks off. So you're never closing that loop to give yourself the encouragement and the confidence that you need to say, I can see it going down or paid off. So one thing that you did was so important. You close that loop. By using right. that strategy, by paying one thing off a time to build up that confidence and that interest, guys, credit cards, that is the biggest thing that hurts your credit report for your credit score because they make it to where when you have high interest rates, it's impossible if you pay the minimal payment to ever get anywhere with that. So it's important to understand, like she said, when you're paying, when you're making that plan, you make that budget. You're seeing, well, what am I out of scope with? What is my biggest cost? Oh, I got three credit cards. Write those three credit cards down. Oh, here is the the limit. Write the limit down. This is where I'm at. If it's not 30% or under, let's make a plan to get tackle it so that I can start seeing the money that I'm putting towards it, not go all the interest, not go the little bit to principal, but you start closing that gap. Um, so I, I love that, that how you did that. That was awesome. So now, after you started tackling it, you used the snowball effect and things started going down. What was your next step? <laughs> My next step was the party, but no. <laughs> 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 so once I, I started to put all that stuff, I pay everything off. Like, honestly, I just kind of took a breather for a couple months That's because good. it was very intense for those 20 months. I'm not going to lie. It, it takes really hyper focus and really being <laughs> intentional on how you spend your money. So once I paid off that large amount of money, I did do a little splurging on myself as far as, you know, I did, I think I went away to um, St. Lucia mm-hmm. on a trip with my husband and spent money. But this time, instead of using credit cards, I used cash. <laughs> <laughs> That was like one of my first trips that I really actually cash flowed and didn't use a credit card at all because it, it, cause you know, it's, it's, it's hard to stay very motivated as you're paying off $109,000 or that or even a thousand dollars a day. Cause there's so many distractions mm-hmm. and, you know, throughout that 20 months, I really didn't do too much 
as far as splurging on myself or really rewarding myself. I mean, I did little things, maybe give myself a nice little drink at Wawa, like a little smoothie or yeah. <laughs> went to Starbucks, got a Frappuccino, something like that, something cute, but <laughs> nothing really big. So once I hit that really milestone, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to reward myself with a nice trip. And that's what I did. Um, so that was my next step. And then after that, my whole mindset shifted as far as how I viewed money. And what I mean by that is normally if I go to the supermarket or make any type of purchases, the first thing I do is like, okay, what credit card I got? <laughs> <laughs> Which one they maxed out? I can use it for this transaction. But now I'm like, okay, how much money do I actually have? Because I already knew going into it. Mm -hmm. First of all, I checked my account before I make the purchase. So I kind of pre-plan before I actually do it. And then I give a debit card or I actually have physical cash because mm -hmm. the physical cash really in my brain tells me, okay, it's, it's, it's escaping me mm -hmm. or, or, or leaving my account and it's going into Target or whoever I'm, wherever I'm making my purchase. Right. So it kind of shifted how I treated money and how I viewed money because with a credit card, it's it's painless. But when you're using physical cash or even your debit, it's kind of like, you know, okay, that money's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so that really helped me to kind of really try to be more cash conscious mm -hmm. over time. I like that. It, it is, and it's so true because you, um, since it's plastic and you, you have it lent out to you, you really aren't. Um, you're, you're conscious of the fact that it's money you have to pay back, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't feel the same when it's your own cash. You go to the ATM to get out and you like, wait a minute. Now this is only $3,000, <laughs> but I have mortgage coming up and I have, it's a little bit different when it's that money coming out, your money coming out of your account. So I see, I appreciate how that mind shift had to happen to say, okay, this is my money as a tool. Let me use this tool well. And this is how I need to do it. Make a priority, make a priority list of when I'm going to utilize it versus over the credit. So that helped you win that battle. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> those are some battles that come our way. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it's, a, it's a struggle, a mental struggle at first, because I think it's more of the the, the mindset yeah. of, okay, I'm losing money, how mm -hmm. I'm going to make it back versus thinking, okay, wealth flows through me. Mm -hmm. Like saying those affirmations to say, you're not losing money. You're a money magnet. Money will always be around you. You attract money. So just having that different mindset to know that, yeah, I'm losing money in this transaction for something I possibly need, but at the same time, I'm going to get it back tenfold mm -hmm. one way or the other. And the way you just describe it, and that's what I appreciate, because it's the same. Um, I try to tell my students with, with trading and investing. Um, you actually trade every day. You're a trader. Everyone in this on this earth is a trader, whether you realize it or not. You're also an investor. And, and the reason why I say that is because we just don't really recognize how we are traders and how we are independently investors. We all have time. You have to invest your time into things, right? And when you invest your time into learning how to do personal finances, you do get something back. You, you actually gain back a reward. And that's the same as if you invest it in the stock and you get money back, something um, back for that. Same thing. You go to the grocery store, you're trading your money, whatever that item that you want, 
You're saying, I want to buy that item for this amount. And a lot of times we negotiate. You probably had a fresh market and you say, I don't want to pay $5 for that apple. I'll give you 60 cents. So you are literally trading just like you would at a stock market. You don't want to buy the stock at full price. You wait until the, the stock drops in price. You're buying it on sale. It's the exact same concept. So now that you did all that and you actually accomplished the goals, you made a formula, packaged it your own so that you can not only help yourself, your family, but also other entrepreneurs or people, maybe a family head, someone that wants to understand how personal finances is a skill and how it's something that has to be learned and it takes a little bit of time and patience. Can you tell me about your program? Sure. So I currently have um, my program, which is Build Your Wealth Accelerator. Um, it's in a format where it's one-on-one, which is my 12-week program, or my group coaching program, which is six weeks. And it's basically mastered off of my five-step framework, which I call the wealth building hierarchy. So the first step is really your money mindset. That's really the foundation, because if you don't think you're going to win with money, this program ain't going to work. No mm. program is going to work. <laughs> so during that time, I work with my students on their money mindset as far as, you know, what is their what is their personal money story? What are their personal financial goals, whether it be short term and long term? And really getting over those limiting beliefs that's really holding them back from building wealth. So that's the first step. And then the next level in the hierarchy is your financial blueprint. And that's where I work with my clients on developing their their budget. So looking at how much they're bringing in and how much they're taking out. And for some people, it's their first time really, like I said, putting together a physical yeah. budget. Because people look at budgets as being very restrictive and it's tedious and it's boring. But that is a single single best uh, wealth building tool to have in your toolbox because yeah. if you don't know how you're spending your money, then you'll never build wealth. So you have to track your cash flow and understand, you know, what your expenses are because you think you could be doing well on paper, but in reality, your bank account says, nah, boo, you're not doing well. Not, not, <laughs> not in this state. <laughs> <laughs> you have no money in your account. So that's step number two. And then step number three is the strategy implementation, which is basically how do we maximize your budget? So we look mm -hmm. at your budget and we look at ways where we can reduce your expenses and increase your savings. And then step number four is the elimination plan. So we mm -hmm. basically outline what your elimination plan is based on your budget, based on your, your short-term and your long-term financial goals. And then the fifth level is the wealth building level. And that's basically where we look at your wealth building um, foundation. So what I mean by that, there's three uh, wealth building accounts that you should have. One is your emergency fund, which should have about six to 12 months of your expenses saved. So if your expenses are 3000 a month, then you should have at least $18,000 saved. Then there's a short-term account with your second account, and that's for any type of short-term purchase that you're going to have with the next year. So if you're looking to purchase a, a car or you're looking to put a down payment on a home, that's where you can allocate those funds to that short-term account. And then your third account should be your retirement account, and that could be from your employer, your 401k, 403b, 
or your IRA or investments account as well. So basically working with my clients to have those three key wealth building accounts in process for them so they can start building wealth. I love it. And I love how it's in order too. And you take your time and go through each step because sometimes guys, when we do it on our own, we don't realize that we're missing steps because maybe we're just reading a book that's giving us something real general. Maybe we're watching a TV um, show about investing in savings and how to budget correctly, but they're only giving you what they can in that one <laughs> hour. So we have to recognize that you're going to get the value of what it can present, but sometimes there could be steps. So that's why it's always helpful to have someone that will kind of take you by the hand guide you right through the whole process. And maybe you have unique situations, right? Maybe you have an inheritance or something that she can help you with to allocate the money to already start building up those accounts that you would have never thought about. So there's a lot of different reasons why a personal financial advisor um, can help you or a coach can help you get through some of the mess that that just in, in general, um, banking and finance, the world of finance offers. It's all messy at times, but there's always someone that can look through it and say, oh, that's okay. We, we can use this. This is a benefit for you. Let's take it right here. You qualify. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I know for me, when I did financial coaching, you know, it was a little like, do I really need this? You know, <laughs> you know, you have your doubts, but I can you know, YouTube I like- it. <laughs> yeah, I can YouTube it, I can yeah. Google it, you know, because it's so much free information. I'm all about the free information. But like you said, you know, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. When it's free, you're only going to get a slice of what you need. And, you know, going through that financial coaching program, you know, for one, I had to show up every time. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I started it, I think it was about 11 of us in there. Mm-hmm. And by the end of nine weeks, which is me and my husband. <laughs> People yeah. dropped out for personal reasons or whatever. But in my mind, I'm thinking because they just didn't want to follow through. Yeah. Whatever reason. And I said, I'm going to follow through and hold myself accountable because I was ready for that change. So having that accountability and really having someone walk me through really gave me that extra boost in order to really hit that financial goal, which is still amazing to mm-hmm. me until this day. It's amazing. Yeah. And I have to say, too, another thing that I appreciate and that's amazing um, that you and your husband did it together. Um, And a family that saves, saves together, stays together. And I say that, guys, because (laughs) money can be stressful on people like, you know, my husband and I, we have two different money stories that we, we grew up with, you know, and it made us two different individuals on how we handle money for me. Um, I'm always not to say more careless cause I'm definitely a good budget budget <laughs> and I do all that, but I'm, I'm more risky. So for example, if we're trading, I'm all for, let's take a grand and I want to buy this stock right here. Oh, I'll be patient. Oh, it's down. Don't worry. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. But if that was my husband, he see $3 loss. He's having a heart attack. So we don't have the same, you know, capabilities when it comes to to how we emotionally handle money. So that's an awesome thing for you to go through it together because then you recognize how you both handle your money stress, how you both, your money language in a sense, and then you can help each other. Okay, let me do this because I know this might stress him out a little bit more. Don't worry, I got it. 
or vice versa. You know, you can help each other go through those emotions and, and know where your weaknesses are because that other person might have a strength. So it's always a good thing. But I say that because if we are aware of it now going in, it's going to do nothing but make you guys stronger um, as a unit when you're partner up and trying to handle that money debt instead of one person saying, well, it's my debt. Let me handle it by myself. Sometimes teamwork will make the dream go. So, so true, because he was not a fan about going through the financial coaching. He said, why can't we just figure this out? I can imagine. Like, it is not working. <laughs> and I'm the finance manager of our family. Yeah. So I was the one that had, I, I still to today, handle all the bills and make sure everything is paid. And it was so stressful for me because he had his blinders on. He was doing his thing. But I knew, like, this is not working. And I was handling all, like you said, the financial stress and a burden on me. And he's looking at me to kind of make sure to work. And I'm like, no, we need to work together. Together. You need to understand what how the money is coming in, what's going out, so that you can be intentional to say, I can't hurt my partner by purchasing this PlayStation two, three, four, whatever, yeah. <laughs> or putting some new rims on my car, whatever he likes to do. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a chef, so he likes to cook. So let's say if he want to do like a thousand dollar dining experience, mm -hmm. you know, because that's I'm his like, thing. No, he can afford it. That's his that's thing. A, yeah. He can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> a $1,000 on the meal. But yes, it happens. Yeah. 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 He loves, he loves those type of experiences. So with him kind of being part of the process, now we can come together and we understand, okay, if I say we can't do it because of the finances, well, he knows mm -hmm. the budget too. He'll say, yep, that makes sense. I'm perfectly aware. And it's funny because most of the time in marriages, the male is the lead on the finances. Mm -hmm. So when our marriage is a little bit different and the female in typical marriages don't have a clue what's going on with the money. But in our marriage, we have to work as a partnership not only the finances, but every aspect yeah, of our marriage. Absolutely. I like that. And you hit another key point um, when it comes to just in general, everything, you know, finances touch every aspect of life. You have to. And I say that because even if it's health, right, we have to pay a premium for our health insurance. We have to save money most of the time for our, for ourselves. So a lot of us don't understand that, okay, maybe you don't have the greatest job in the world and they, their benefits are not offering you what you call a health saving account, a HSA. That's okay. There's ways that you can go get it yourself independently so that you can be financially savvy to save for your health because that's another aspect of finances. Perhaps it's not that. Maybe it's your car. You know, do you have an auto savings account? So when your car goes down or you need to buy a new one. So literally money has every aspect of our life covered because that is the one thing, the one tool that we need to actually survive in this world. You can't even buy a bottle of water without money, <laughs> right? So, right? So it's good to be partners in everything because maybe it's not just the bills. You know, it could be other aspects that one partner can have over the other to say, hey, I just thought about something. Can we save for this? This is going to help us get here. So teamwork, guys, with your finances. And I'm telling you now, I'm going to drop her link. I'm going to drop everything in the bio here so that you guys can have an easy access way to find her on social media and to find her at her website. Um, pick her brain, ask questions. And, and while I'm saying that, do you, um, uh, besides email, what it what is the main way anyone can get in contact with you? Sure. Um I'm on Instagram at dollars make sense. 
Um, I do have a free Facebook group, which is the Wealth Builders Community. So you can sign up for that free Facebook community. Um, and I have a personal finance blog as well on dollarsmakesense.com. And I just launched my TikTok. So you can find me on TikTok now. <laughs> so multiple ways to contact. So there's really like no excuse. Her story resonates with you. If there's more information you want to know, you now have two gurus at your dispense. So putting on <laughs> blinders saying, I know I have debt, but I'm going to handle it next year. We're not going to let you get away with that. <laughs> so you look at her details right below. Uh, make the I won't say make the decision. Do what you need to do. Think about it. Um, if you have tried your hand at budgeting yourself, you tried all these things, guys, we are both living proof. Mistakes happen. It's life. It's okay. The point is you just don't stay in debt. It's, it's ways to get out. So do not um, overly stress yourself out or get down on yourself. We're here to let you know you have help and assistance and we can get you out of that. So look at her website um, below at the link. Find her on social media. Pick her brain when it's necessary. And uh, before we go, guys, I want to make sure... Anything else you could tell the people and within this podcast for today? Sure. So currently um, I am kicking off my Stack the Rack Savings Challenge, which is a 21-day savings challenge that will help you save $1,000 in 21 days. So if you're interested in the Savings Challenge, just click the link, the link within the show notes. Um, you'll see it within my bio on Instagram and on my website at dollarsmakesense.com. And guys, if you are listening to the podcast, you can also watch this on YouTube. We uh, have everything accessible for you. And let's go with the challenge. Until next time, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Recording. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. Now, you heard me through email if you're a subscriber. And if not, you probably also heard me mention Dee Dee Patterson. Yes. So on social media and everywhere else, I've been getting you guys geared up and ready to talk to her. So her story is really unique. Um, she talks about so many different ways that you can find your soulmate. Why? Because she's actually a soulmate coach. And if you're wondering how this tie into finance, we're going to explain all that also. Um, so without further delay, guys, welcome our today guest, who is Didi. And Didi, how are you today? I'm good. Thank <laughs> you for having me on your show. Well, no, thank you. And everybody has been really just geared up, ready to talk to you, um, especially living in the pandemic. Um, everybody is really on edge on how they can find their soulmate and, and how to do it logically when, when they're thinking about their finances too. Like I said, we're, we're in a pandemic, right? So there's, there's so much going on. Um, and I share with them already how you have such a unique story. And so I guess we could really just start from there. And now we know you're doing great. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I met my husband on match. I was single. I wanted to get married. And I did a search on Match about 11 years ago. So we've been, well, 12 years ago, because we've been married for 11 years. And um, I found the perfect guy for me on Match. And the way to, to connect us to finance, it, and I didn't even realize it then, how important it is to not only 
meet someone who has the same values, but just also meet the type of person who who has the same um, mindset according to finances. And so I met my husband, um, and then 11 years later, we are, I, I just calculated our net worth at the end of the year, and we are, um, we're at $900,000 net worth. So, so you're knocking on the doors of a million. <laughs> yes, we're almost at a million. I didn't even realize that we were doing so well. And when we got married, we were, we, of course we had a negative network. We all, we both had a whole bunch of debt and um, our goal was to pay off our debt as soon as possible. And we did that within 18 months. And now, um, and we did it within 18 months and we uh, pretty much put all our money into savings after that. And, um, you know, once you get your paycheck, you pretty much, um, you just have the money for yourself. So we put the money in savings. We, whenever we needed to buy something, we, we could buy it with car, we can buy it with um, cash. So we bought cars with cash. We bought two cars with cash and we finished our basement with cash. And it's all, and it's all because I married the right person, someone who was of financially the same page as I was. Now, not only that, it sounds to me how you're explaining. First of all, congratulations now. So you've been together for 12 years, but married for 11. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a milestone. Um, but, Thank you. <laughs> and that being said, um, what was the criteria? Because I know if I'm excited about this, because I firmly believe uh, those you really want to marry somebody when you're looking for a spouse um, and you have that mindset that this is what you want to do that you're equally yoked to. So your method that you created um, not only allow you to be equally yoked with so many things across the board, but you actually develop the secret sauce, if you will, on how to find that person that makes this easy because you made it sound so easy how you guys paid off your debt and, and just, you know, under two years and mapped everything out. So, so, how did you even begin to start? How did you guys even uh, begin to start with when you started dating, what to look for and how to look for it in an individual and know that you found it? Right. So let me rewind a little bit. Uh, before him, I was dating another guy. And um, for some reason, when I was with that guy, I felt like he is not someone I would want to spend the rest of my life with. And so I broke up with him. And then three weeks later, I met my husband on match. But the whole time um, I was with my husband, I felt like he's someone I can spend the rest of my life with. That he, the, the way we are together, it was like very easy. It was, everything was so natural. And so when you're looking for your special person, it has to be someone you can see spending the rest of your life with. If it's someone like, um, if you're a woman, you feel like you're carrying a relationship and you're doing so much and it's, it's, um, it's like taking a toll, like it's exhausting being with them. I know some women are just, you know, they're annoyed being with their, their partner. That's not the right person. Someone it's very easy to be with. And that's, that's how I felt with my husband that our relationship was easy. We didn't really fight about money. We just had discussions about, Hey, what, what should we do next? And we talked about it together. And we both had the goal to pay off debt. We both had the goal to, um, to just be financially um, st 
stable. And so that's, that's important is just to find someone who wants to work with you and you are, you're comfortable talking about money because with the wrong person, that can be like a tough conversation to have. But with my husband's always been very natural and easy. And um, we just, we always had the same goal. And one thing that um, is important when you find, uh, when you're looking for the right person is to find someone you want to have a joint account with. Me and my husband, we put our money together in a joint account. I know a lot of people don't do that. And I think maybe because you don't trust the other person. And so, um, and I think the only way we, we were able to build our money so fast as we were both putting our money, we were doing it together. We were a partner partnership. And so if you don't feel comfortable putting your money in a joint account with the person you're going to um, be with for the rest of your life, then maybe that person is not the right person for you. You know what? I love how you say that because um, oftentimes a lot of people look at marriage as like a business transaction. Um, but it's way more than that. This is literally your partner for the rest of your life. So you're right. You wouldn't go in business with somebody that you didn't want to give your ATM card with or to share accounts with. You know, if you didn't trust that that business person was a little bit, you know, not too well together when it came to finances. So it would be the same when you're looking for your spouse. You want to make sure that this individual actually meets all your checklists. They may not know everything about finance. Cause that that's not what we're saying. They don't have to know, but you got to be on the same page. You got to grow together with financial knowledge. If you don't have it and have the understanding that putting, putting money into the same pot twice is a lot better than putting money in the pot one time. So I, I totally, I like how you guys did that and, and basically save very efficiently really in a quick time. Right. Like it's, it's surprising how quick it can happen, but it's just about, um, doing the right thing over and over again. And so we didn't realize that we were building, I don't think we ever thought we would come close to becoming millionaires, but it's just over time, just doing the right thing, making the right decisions, and eventually you'll build the wealth that you, that you want to, to build. I like that. It's making the right decisions. And it start by um, making the right decision with the person that you're actually courting, or in other words, dating. Now, did you have a checklist of, I know you guys, you just instantly felt that spark, but was there a checklist that you kind of created for yourself to, to see if he matched or kind of checked off every box or how did that work when you first went on matching and discovered him? Yeah. So I did like a very, very specific search on match and actually he was the only one who matched that, <laughs> that criteria. So it, it was kind of easy for me. Um, I know um, some of my other friends tried to, to do the same thing. It did not work. But for me, it was pretty easy. Um, Chris, I, I'm 5'10", so I had a height requirement. And <laughs> and I, um, I'm trying to think what else. I, it was height, um, age, around my age. I did close to where I live. Um, someone who didn't smoke, who didn't have kids, <laughs> who's never been married before. So it was just pretty much what I thought would be a perfect guy. But yeah, and just <laughs> so... Doing that search wasn't enough just to find someone. It was also us talking to each other and getting to know each other that I realized, yeah, this is someone I want to be with for the rest of my life. But yeah, it. just the search was just like a little, um, these are the qualities I would want that person to have. And Statistically, have you hit it in the ballpark, 100%. He was the only one that came out as a match. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the, the criteria I think um, that did it 
since I don't drink alcohol, I put does not drink alcohol. There's one that either a little bit or um, occasionally or twice a day or every, and I put none. And I think that kind of <laughs> narrowed down the, the field <laughs> to the one person who was right for me. I love it. Now, when you work with some of your clients, um, how do you kind of walk with some of the steps that you walk them through to meet that, that soulmate? Yeah. So again, it's what are the, those criteria that are most important to you to, to narrow it down to, to that criteria, but they're still, besides narrowing it down, there's still the conversations and, um, I, I help women just to build the relationship mm -hmm. and building trust um with the person that you're you're with so that it's the relationship is built on a, a strong foundation mm -hmm. so there's a um when, when my husband and i were together early on we really got to know each other there was i mean by the time we got married there was there was no surprises he was exactly the way he was before um we got married so there's a process you have that you have to take to really get to know them and ask questions to them. Um, I had a friend, um, she's, she's really, really close to getting engaged to her, um, to the guy she's dating. And she was asking me advice about having the money conversation. She hasn't had it yet, she's about to marry that. But <laughs> so I was trying to just help her, you know, these are some of the questions you should ask. Definitely before you get married, like she doesn't know how much she makes and that kind of stuff. Those are um, all important things to know before before you get married, just to know what you're getting yourself into and, and to decide if maybe you don't want to yeah. go in that direction. If you, yeah. yeah, hard decisions, but you're right. I actually... Um just finished uh, one of our weekly studies. Uh, my, my husband and I, we try to do our family worship ministers together, but it was over trust. And so it was really talking about how you have to trust yourself first. Because if you have a hard time trusting yourself and, un and being honest with yourself, then there's no way you can have honesty in your relationship. And I love that because that is something that you have to set the bar before you get, you know, you tie the knot. You have to be honest with yourself, know what your truth is, where you stand. If you have that, you know, talk about that, then have those heavy conversations. So he knows what he's getting into. <laughs> you know what you're getting into and you can feel, you can lay your hair down. You can feel comfortable with each other, with the good, the bad and the ugly and grow from there. Yes, definitely. Communication, I think is our strongest part. And I, I mean, I still think communication is the key to a strong marriage. A lot of people are like, Communication is not the key, but for me, I think communication is the key because we, we have to talk about everything, not only money, but how to raise the kids and how, yeah, what our career is going to be like. Like we talk about everything, what we're going to buy. And we had, we had to go back and forth about discussing like the house that we're going to live in. And, and our goal with any communication is to make sure we both agree. Like we don't move forward unless we both are strongly agree mm -hmm. it's not like you get your way this time i get my way it's we both have to agree with the decision that we make as a family so i like that yeah it's not yeah. I, and i love the way you put it um that neutral stand you know because yeah you know sometimes it is good for one person to have a stronger personality or be able to make really good decisions on certain things and the other spouse is great in decision making with something else but when you have a neutral ground no matter if I'm the strong one in, in finance area and you're the strong one and when it's time to buy the right appliances, 
we both should be neutral on this decision. So that, that right. plays a big part. Yeah, definitely. And so now that you're getting geared up, you're not, you, 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 you show it in yourself, your own relationship, how you actually, <laughs> I love it. A hundred percent statistically found your mate <laughs> based <laughs> upon your soul mate matching skills. And then you help so many of your friends do the same thing. And now you're helping clients around the world do the same thing. Now, walk me through a day with working with you. How, what, what can they expect that they're, they're ready to lay their hair down and find that person. And what can they expect if they, if they're, if they start one of your programs? Yeah. So with the, um, I, the program is called finding love ever after. And so with this program, there is a, um, there's a course online, like all the, the material is online. And so once you sign up for it, you go through the coursework and then um, week, I have weekly coaching, group coaching sessions where I talk to women and I guide them through the, the dating process and whoever um, you're, you're dating with, you have questions and then, um, yeah, so I'll just help answer the questions until you get to the place where you're meeting your soulmates or your, your true love and I'll also provide guidance so, oh, he, he's not it. <laughs> like, you know how people like to get advice they get advice from friends or um either their parents people who are not in strong relationships like they're getting advice from people who are not where they want to be um with this program you'll get advice from someone um who's been happily married for 11 years like we we never really had a rough patch we it's been strong a very strong healthy um marriage the whole time and someone who knew who um I don't want to say luck, but who lucked out and, and picked the, the perfect guy for her. So I also want to help other people and then warn them against the, the, the men who are not someone who would be a good person to be in a long lasting relationship with someone. Well, it won't last. Yes, it's nice and passionate now, but it, they don't have the qualities that will help the relationship last. So, so that's, those are the things you'll get from the, um, Finding love ever at the program, you'll just have someone who will just guide you towards that path to finding um, the love of your life. And I love that because you hit one more thing right on the the nail. Um, the hit the nail on the head. I guess that's the saying that people say. You hit it right mm -hmm. right there because. We do have a tendency um, as someone when, when someone is sin single to have that tendency to want someone to tickle their ear. Tell me what I want to hear. This guy is great. You know, we went out so many times and he said all the right things. OK, well, you know, and then that other person that they're asking advice from will give them something that would tickle their ear. Oh, yeah, he's perfect. Keep going out with him, yada, yada, yada. But they're not asking the real tough questions that you give in this program. They're not asking the tough questions. Well, are you guys a match financially? You know, what is his long-term goals? Can he already support the family? Does he want to have kids? Do you want to have kids? All those hard questions that will actually say, uh, <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> so I love how you said it. He's not it, but you give that advice. <laughs> right. And if I had married the guy right before my husband, the, the guy that I broke up, because we, we actually did go ring shopping. But I just had this nagging feeling like this is this is not gonna and this is not gonna be good. And I'm so glad that I did decide to end it end it with the, the last guy because we would not be 
anywhere close mm -hmm. to almost being millionaires. We would not be the same <laughs> financial place. We would not, I would not be in a happy, loving relationship. So a lot of women are like, okay, there's a guy in my life and you just want to, you want to, you want someone in your life and you, you just want to be settled down and then you make the mistake of just marrying the wrong person just so you have someone in your life. But um, with this program, um, finding love ever after, it's about meeting the right one. It's not any guy. I want you to be with someone that would make you happy and enjoy life and you're not miserable just because you wanted to, I guess, scratch that itch that you wanted someone in your life. You, you actually, um, I want you to have true love and um, something that lasts and is nice and fun and that you can enjoy your life and not just be so, um, not just to have someone there to sleep in the bed with you. Right. So yeah, so yeah. So I just want um, women who are trying to make that decision of, oh, well, I have a guy and he's willing to marry me, but he may not be the right one for you. That's right. And I love how your program actually, the way that you designed it, um, and I'm speaking from someone, I'm, I'm very, um, I guess I could say spiritual, but I always think about my spiritual side. And that's how my husband and I were equally yoked when it comes to our spirituality. But you check the boxes of every religion, every spirituality, everything I can think of out there. And even if someone doesn't have that, because your goal is to take that individual, find out what they want in the mate, make the checklist customized to them and then help them across the board. So your clientele, again, guys, this can be global. This can be anyone. Um, the way that you run your program. So I really do appreciate how how is catered one on one basis to each individual so they don't make those big mistakes and just out of desperation or loneliness um, pick a yeah. pick someone that they feel is your soulmate. And coming and I've been married for about ooh I hate to say it telling my age almost sixteen <laughs> years now it'll be sixteen years this year. <laughs> And thank you. Yes. We actually dated for, I want to say about two to three years. Um, wow. So being okay. with someone for so long, you're right. You know, for me, guys, and you know, I'm always honest. I made a ton of financial mistakes. I made a ton of educational mistakes. But with someone being my backbone, I corrected those with his right. support. And the mistakes that he made throughout our whole journey as being married, you know, I had his back and I helped him correct things and we do things together. And so it, it may not be always perfect, but if you have the wrong person, money will break a relationship. Most yeah. marriages end because of some kind of financial dispute. So <laughs> your program is vital to show that at the very beginning so that you can hopefully avoid those pitfalls and hopefully never have to worry about that stress that a lot of people face by picking the wrong mate. Right, and also um, just for women who are single, um, when I was single, I was not doing well at all. <laughs> but just having two incomes, that's a, that did everything mm -hmm. for, for me because we were able to pay down debt faster because we're all in, we weren't paying two bills. And, so yeah, just um, wealth is a good way to build wealth is to have two people combining your um and i didn't i didn't say how we're we're almost um millionaires we so our, in our retirement we have um combined our retirement is four hundred and fifty thousand, and then um the the um 
the equity in our house is 450,000. So putting that together, we're at $900,000. So my goal is to pay off our house as soon as possible. We'll definitely hit that um, million dollar mark. But yeah, so just the fact that you can combine incomes and combine assets and combine all that um, is a way to build wealth is just to have two strong incomes put them together. I love it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Any advice for those that are out there seeking um, assistance now? Um, and oh, and by the way, can you tell them too how they can reach you? Yeah, so a um, couple ways. Um, on social media, um, my, name, of course, my name is Dee Patterson everywhere. And then I, I have a website for the program. It's, DD, I mean, it's findingloveeverafter.com is a website for the program. And um, I think we'll have a link to the program and I can um, put a link for booking a call with me. Awesome. You can talk with me and um, we can see if you're the right fit for this program. All right, guys, you heard it. So what are you waiting on? If you're already in the boat of trying to find someone that can be your soulmate, this is the first step to take um, to get you on that path. And to avoid heartache that could possibly come because she's going to help you customize that look, that list that we're talking about, that list of what fits all the things that you desire in a mate, what what you might not even be thinking about. <laughs> so you're putting things on it they might not even be thinking about that. Make sure that they check that, that list off as well. So when you're doing this search, you come out ahead of the game. So yes, we're going to drop all of her social media links. We're going to drop the website again. Um, and you guys have all the information here and watch this recording over, over, see if you can pick up some gems that she dropped. Some of the things that she did with her husband to be successful for the length of time that they are. That's just a testimony by itself. Um, now this is off script guys, but do you have a story that you can share with us before we let the audience go? Maybe something that uniquely happened, um, when you were helping out a client or a friend to meet that soulmate? If anything, um, don't come to mind. You don't have to spill all the beans. I just figure I would just ask. So you don't, you can save some of the, the tea, I guess we should say for later. <laughs> if anything doesn't come to mind. No, I think, um, again, it's mostly the warning of mm -hmm. wrong people. So it hasn't, um, can't think of any strong, um, when I help, I just been a lot of warning. Oh, that's not the right person. And then um, they found out later. Yes, that's not the right person. So I think that's um, almost as important is that for the person not to be stuck in a miserable marriage, but just to warn them away from the right, the wrong one, so they can find the right person to to be with. So I, think that's the best. <laughs> no, actually, that was perfect because uh, even though we talked about it a little bit, the way you said it, it kind of solidified with me even more. I see what you mean. You know, the fact that you had, I don't want to call it intuition, but you have the expertise to kind of already filter that out. So if that's the first thing that come to mind, if that's just telling the audience, hey, go to her. You do not want this pitfall. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, all right, guys, you ha have heard it all here. Um, make sure you look at those links. Uh, if you want, you can still DM her questions as well. If you're a little shy 
um, <laughs> to come out with it and say, okay, I'm ready for the program. That's perfectly fine too. Um, but the point is making sure that you know that this assistance is out there. And I know you guys have been bugging me about something financially that ties in to, uh, to dating. So here you go. <laughs> your, your ask has been filled. So check out Dee Dee, go to her website, check out all her social, um, DM her if you have any basic questions that she can help with, get started in the program. Now start making sure that you get that match until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Hey guys, it's Christina and I'm back with a new episode. In this episode, we are talking to Sanji and guys, this episode is not going to disappoint. She is someone, not only do I admire, but very, very motivational. When it comes to finances, understanding how to invest and allocate your dollars, she is really at the top of the list. So I want to introduce you guys to this phenomenal financial advisor, Sanji. And um, we're just going to jump right into her story. And you guys are going to have so many gems being dropped. You would definitely understand why I'm telling you. Make sure you stick around for the complete episode. So how are you today, Sanji? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me back again. I've been so excited to be here to talk uh, about money. You know, that's what, one of my favorite topics. Oh, I'll, it's probably one of everybody's favorite topics. So yes, I'm excited everybody. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those topics that you know finances just really impact every aspect of our life yep and so and you know money is oriented to anything and everything so we could talk about something else but we're gonna always circle back to money so that that's another reason why it's important and it's another reason why we have a positive view on it because lots of times we grew up with a negative view and repeating negative things about money because we didn't feel like we could attain it. You know, we felt like this it was it was always somebody else. And that the only way that we could attain money was um, winning the lottery or or something like that. You know, that's where how we discussed it if you think about it mm -hmm. a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with saying, because even I say it sometimes, oh, if I win the lottery, <laughs> um, but the lottery is, 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 is you and me. You're the lottery. You don't have to win the lottery. You know, that's a, it's entertaining. Um, so everything is money oriented. Everything I, is money I love how you said that because um, I think a lot of us, if it wasn't um, us individually, somebody you know in your family, that was the money story that they stuck with. I have to yeah. win the lottery. I have to, you know, be good at sports and only sports to get to be able to have right. a lot of money by playing in the NFL right. or NBA or anything like that. We right. we made these false sense of security and the wrong things when it came to finance. Not say the wrong things, but and something that's really not as attainable if we just right. knew our finances. Well, we and that's what we talked about. It's the whole thing with social media. Mm -hmm. That is what we talked about because that's what we understood. We understood being a basketball player, a football player, making a lot of money. We understood the, the lottery. Um, it was simple and it was easy to understand. And so, you know, thank God, you know, fast forward to these days where we're understanding people like me and you in the industry who are educating everyone else about, you know what, you can attain this, you can do this. 
um, and here are the steps and ways to do it. So now we are making and bringing forth a different conversation. And now we're also spreading that conversation. So it's not only about uh, being a football player, being a, now it's about, oh, maybe I want to be a trader. Maybe <laughs> I want to be an investment advisor. Maybe I want to be uh, an entrepreneur. Whatever. It is not only uh, millions of dollars can be attained one or two ways, but you can create that. So Absolutely. And not only can you, there's no obstacle now in our way. Like, I love how you mentioned those steps. And guys, we're going to talk about those steps because I want you to hear her story. But those steps can be taken based upon your unique situation. It's not where I'm at right now. It's not where Sanji's at right now. It's where you're at. So if you have, you know, created debt for yourself, maybe it's not healthy debt. It doesn't matter. We all been in situations where we occur debt because we have to just simply take care of our family, you know. Yeah. So, but that unique situation that you're in, it can be um, still packaged up for you with steps that can get you out of that debt and into the road or on the road of financial freedom. So, right. I'm going to segue right into that. Your story is so unique to me, and it resonates with me. It's such such an inspirational story. Um, because you have been there, you have done that, and you are continuing to make sure that there's not that many obstacles that's going to keep you still for too long. So I'm ready to jump right into that. Can you can you give uh, the yeah, audience a little bit? Yeah, let me just bit? tell you a little bit about where I came from and how I got into this industry because I'm much older. I've been in this industry over 20 years, and it wasn't as easy. Well, it's not easy now, but... Um, I didn't even recognize. So here's the thing. Sometimes it's good to be ignorant to certain things. You don't understand <laughs> the whole racism and how uh, things have, are, how barriers are set up for us to not be in an industry, mentally as well as physically. Um, but I got started, actually I got started, first of all, it comes from someone planting a seed. So that's why it's so important for us to continue pouring in our knowledge, whether we think people are paying attention or not, to pour in our knowledge, to talk about it, because you never know that one person may keep it in the back of their head and pursue it. And that is apparently what I did. Um, my mother, who had a sixth grade uh, education and was a homemaker, um, um, she would, at dinner time, and, and you know, this is back in the day, in the 70s, <laughs> at dinner time, you ate dinner at 5 or 6 o'clock. That was dinner time, because mom, that, you know, like I said, she was a homemaker. Um, my father was a police officer. And that's what time dinner was. And after dinner, we watched the news. That is what we did. Um, and so at the end of the news, she would always make stops. And there was numbers rolling across after the news. There was always these numbers rolling across the news. And she would say, stop. She would say, stop. Y'all look at that right there. That's money right there. That's money right there. And she didn't really understand it herself. But what she was pointing to was the Dow Jones Industrial Average that rolled through after the news that showed what the stock market did for the day. And she didn't really understand the nuances or the jargon 
But she understood that those numbers represented money. And it wasn't dollar bill money, but it was some kind of asset. And it always stuck in my head um, in reference to what that was. And I didn't know what it was either. But it always stuck in my head that, uh, and I found out too, you know, she would say, those stockbrokers make a lot of money. And so as a child, it, it stuck in my head that I wanted to be a stockbroker. And I actually wrote, um, I, you know, how in school they would say, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I wrote this whole little story. And I forgot I had written it, <laughs> um, to be honest. And one day my mom pulled it out and she said, you know, you wrote this when you were, you know, 12 years old. <laughs> and I laughed. And I was seed. like, what did I know about that, right? But then I thought about it and I was like, it was because she used to always tell us, look at that right there. That's money right there. So obviously that is one way that, um, and if we think about our family, when I talk to my clients, um, you know, especially, um, I love working with black women and black women going into business um, because one of the things that we all share is the knowledge of, you know, what was our real first experience with money and who was that in our family that we looked at or looked up to that had money? What auntie or cousin? It could have been your own family. You're right. Who was that person? Because that's where we really learned and started learning about money, mm-hmm. right? And so that experience, whether it was good or bad, is still something that we, um, it's in our culture and it's in our DNA. And I always know that in, when I talk to black women, one of the things too, is there was always someone who ran some kind of business. And it, it, it lots of times the women we didn't get enough value, but we either sewed or mama made pies. Mm-hmm. Mama may have cleaned somebody else's house, but or auntie did this. But there was always someone that we knew. And when, in my family, one of the women that I looked up to is a cousin, and she was always very glamorous. I, that's where I used to, you know, get the stilettos. <laughs> um, she was always in a, you know, she'd have her little cute suit on and her stilettos. And she was, at the time, Avon was a big deal back mm. in the day. And that was her own little business. And I was impressed. And so there's always someone that we um, attach a lot of the things that we do and we emulate um, and it has something to do with money. So You're even so though right. no one in the family, I knew no one who was a stockbroker, no one, <laughs> no one black. I knew no one. Um, but it was in my mind that I was going to do that. So that wasn't a barrier then. Um, and I did end up in a situation working in the bank situation where I met a gentleman uh, in, in, in the hallway, I was working in the trust department and I had gotten a job where I actually um, counted stock certificates for very wealthy people of the bank. And I had decided then, I was like, whatever this is, I want part of it. I want to know what this is. Because you're, you're counting it, you're doing everything with I'm it. I'm counting it. I want, you know, I'm cutting coupons, bear bonds back then. Once again, I'm dating myself. But these little 
coupons and people are coming to the window. Security is coming with them. And this is a little piece of paper. It's not money. It's a little piece of paper, but it represented money. They would mm -hmm. take these little coupons and go upstairs and it would, it could be, it was thousands of dollars. It was millions of dollars. And I just was like, I want in on this. And how come I don't, I don't know anybody who has <laughs> But it was stop. Oh, I think I lost you for two seconds. I'm just going to recap what you were saying. You, It was bonds. Figure out, well, if we lose losing money, like, hold on. Obviously. Um, so it was, a, it was a thing. So I just decided that, you know, how do I get into this industry? Um, and it just so happened that one day, Recording stopped. Hold on one second, guys. I think we're having technical difficulties on the other end. I'm going to let Sanjay come right back because this story is getting way too good to stop. And if you heard her, she was saying she was actually trading. Um, she was accepting those little coupons that were basically like a bond. And so those bonds, oh my goodness, are worth money. And here she is walking with someone to uh, basically have to count the bonds out. And she's noticing how much money it is, which is crazy, right? You know, you have these bonds and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's so much money. So by her seeing it firsthand, working in the bank in the Treasury Department, collecting those bonds, seeing the worth and seeing how many people were actually, you know, coming in and out. Um, that's amazing. So it's so inspiring to me. Um, because for many different reasons, uh, and Sanji's getting back on the line now, guys, I'm communicating with her. She's getting right back on. So we'll have her in just a, uh, a second, but it's so inspiring to me because now it's a new generation in a sense to where we can do the same thing with future bonds and you can get the money literally there instead of having a coupon and waiting. People still do that, but instead of waiting for your money to mature, uh, such a long time, it can do it instantly. So that's why it's so intriguing to me. And Sanji, let me know when you can hear me. I was just catching everybody up um, while we got you back on uh, on everything. And I'm looking outside to see if we have a storm coming in because sometimes we have storms. We have we have these interruptions, so it could have been me as well. And I think you might have a little snow coming through. Yeah, just a, they are calling for storms. Recording so, in progress. Oh, you're good. Um, so everybody on the podcast, uh, I kept it going. I was telling them why I was so intrigued with that part, because, you know, now I think about future bonds and uh, options in the form of a bond. So everything you were saying was right on point. Um, but oh, my goodness. So we stopped. That's where we last heard how you were seeing all this. Basically, every coupon that you were seeing people cashing in was money. And you, you were saying, like, I got to get in on this. <laughs> Um, and so I was, I was saying that I got to get in on this. And then the important thing is, is I will, and I want my people to know about this. Yeah. I'm like, I want my family to know about this. Like 
you don't have to just work a job. Like this is mm-hmm. money. Make it. This is a piece of paper that is accumulating money without you having to work. These so I was intrigued <laughs> as to how do I get in on this? Like how do I get on in on something like this? And how do I um, let my community know, my family know? about it because nobody's talking about this nobody's or when talking we do talk about it it's always oh i don't want to be in the, i don't want to do anything in the stock market i don't want to lose my money so i used to always be like where did that come from mm-hmm. well yes it, it is absolutely true because it is a risk um however it was an oxymoron to me because there were so many people coming down <laughs> i mean every day <laughs> every day coupons. i was cutting coupons <laughs> And people were making money or people were cashing in stock certificates or I had to, you know, they were getting dividend checks and, and it was just amazing to me. And so I had to find, figure out how to, how to do this. And this is, and as I tried to get into, and I applied a couple of different times in the investment department, I was always turned down. Um, and I did meet, but I did meet someone, um, like I said, a, a handsome gentleman one day we talked a very very long time and the next day I had talked to my manager and said you know I had this great conversation with this guy he's brand new and they just sat him down the hall but you know and so my manager goes oh my god do you know who you were talking to and I'm like (laughs) no but he was really nice and she said he's the new president of the private investment and I just kind of was like, uh-oh, what did I say to him? <laughs> but wait a minute. This this was unique because you were just being you. Here it is. This guy that you've never seen before is in the building. You're just basically having a normal conversation with him. <laughs> I'm having a conversation. We're talking. And we were talking about the, um, and we, we got, I, I, we were talking about, I was in school. I had young children. But I must have said to him, well, I'm always working late and I'm, doing this and I, I, I love putting together these things and I apparently did mention to him that I wanted to work in the investment management department um, and get my, my, my licenses, uh, my securities licenses and things like that, but I had never gotten the opportunity, uh, I was never hired. And at any rate, he remembered that. The next <laughs> couple of, about a couple of days later, he walked down the hall and peeked in my little office and he said, I'd love to talk to you. Um, I'd love to talk to you about some of the things we talked about the other day. And he actually gave me an opportunity to work in investment management. Um, and you really have to be, basically, there has to be somebody behind you to allow mm-hmm. open, what they, they call open the door. So you can, and it truly is. When they call you, they say, we're opening the door for this 90-day period for you to take this exam. Mm. So back then, you truly had to have a sponsor. Um, and so that's one of the barriers to this industry is that you do have to have some kind of sponsor to take your Series 7 exam. Mm. Or you did back in but, the day. But let me that make sure I'm saying this right, too. So for you... It was literally just the door being opened because they gave you a time frame. So you still had to complete... Your he license within 90 frame. days. So what he did was he offered me a job as an assistant mm-hmm. for six brokers. 
And that's how I got in. Now, mind you, these guys, all Caucasian, were hired in off the street. They got offices and they got the ability to study for 90 days for the same exam. Whereas I did not get that same opportunity. I was hired in as their assistant and I had to work for six brokers at that time and study for the exam, just like they were doing. Um, but they just, they came to work and got paid just to study. Whereas I came to work and I had to do work. You had to do their <laughs> work, all six of their I work. Their work. I mean, <laughs> and I then was, study. You know, I was their assistant. So I was, working, you know, answering the phones and all of that stuff. And at the time, I didn't, I knew it was wrong, but I was so grateful. So that's a whole nother conversation. Like, young ladies, you today would never have put up with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? But because I just, I, it was the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so when we talk about opening doors mm -hmm. and things like that, there are things that is would, would have definitely been not not acceptable back then. That um, I mean, that's acceptable, and you just go along with it to get where you want to go. That today, that would have been a lawsuit, like right then and there. Like, how come those these guys? But you know what? You really hit a yeah. point because, and I'm just thinking for myself, just recently, and I share with you personally my experience. I was doing a position for about six years and I was good enough to train everybody that came through the doors for that position, but I wasn't good enough to get promoted and move up. I was good enough right. to watch them start in the same position with no knowledge and allow me to right. teach them that knowledge. Right. And they start off thousands of dollars more than me exactly. and get moved up. And, exactly. and so I, 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 that resonates with me because your mindset and that's how my mindset has been. Let me get the knowledge. Let me be the one to take one for the team, if you will. And so that I can right. open up more doors for other people. So I appreciate that. That resonates with me. Because in a lot of us are in that same shoes. It's different in corporate America. We face yeah. it a little bit different. We we may accept the as a challenge like you did. So yeah. I, I love, I love I, your tenacity. I, I, I accept it as a challenge. I studied at night. Um, I had two babies at the time, young children. And, and I just studied at night after, and I'm a late person anyway. So around 11 o'clock or maybe it was around 10 after everything was done, put the babies to bed and I would study from like 10 to two. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I did that straight for like 60, 60 to 90 days. Every day I studied wow. because I knew that I wasn't going to have another opportunity to take this exam. Like I, those other guys that they, they had opportunities, you know, they told me, you get two times to take it, we'll pay for it. The third time, you have to do it on your own, blah, blah, blah. I already knew that I had to pass this exam the first time. I mean, I, you could say all you want to, I already knew that. I, mm -hmm. I, and I kind of knew that they, I don't think they really were, was expecting me to pass it, to be honest. Uh, especially the first time go around. And um, at any rate... I studied, 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 and I passed that exam, and I was so proud of myself. And what they had promised me, the deal was, you pass it, and we will um, promote you to a financial advisor, and we'll also give you a book of business. 
Hmm. And so that was the challenge, and I met the challenge. I like it. And I'm so <laughs> proud of myself. Um, I actually, for that particular bank, I was the first um, black financial uh, female uh, enrichment for that particular bank to be a financial advisor. And so it just was went on from there. There were still lots of challenges um, because you're a black female. Yeah. Advisor. It still was a lot of challenges. However, I, you know, I've always stuck to it. But it's a great story, and it's a great story about being, um, because one of the things he said he loved about me was that he thought I was persistent. And I have always been persistent. <laughs> and I was also, I also gave my truth, because one of, you know, one of the things during the interview was why did I want to do it? And I told him, because I want my community to know about investing. I want them to know about investing, and I want my children to know, and I want my community to invest and not be afraid, mm. to understand it uh, and be educated about it and, and make, make good choices. When they do make a decision, make a good, good decision based on facts and not just this myth and this story <laughs> um, yes, you know, you are, we've been hoodwinked. <laughs> yeah, that there's only a certain amount of ways that you can actually get financially fit in a sense and make money. You're right. Right, right. And so, the, and this was a way, once again, it's all about, we still put in the work, right? But you, when you're making money, you got to figure out how does your, what's the best way to optimize the money that I've made? Mm-hmm. And do I know all of the options? Do I have all of my options? And I can go from here, but definitely not don't make it and put it under the bed and just leave it. Right? <laughs> because there's all those factors. There's inflation and all those other things that you can make money. $100 today is not going to be worth $100 in the future. But you can buy with $100. As a matter of fact, we, we're experiencing inflation right now. Mm-hmm. And so we have to take it to consideration all of those things um, in order to be wealthy and to generate the income off the money we've already made. That's the whole key to it. And I love that point that you just made because um, since we're all, I shouldn't say finally, it's not a good thing, but since this is the highest that inflation has been in so many years, um, even for my parents, you know, I think about my parents, their retirement account, what does that look like? Did they have other streams of income to help out? Because like you said, that dollar that they saved all this time is different now with the inflation. It's different. So we have to think like that now when we're planning out our, our, our retirement income and our wealth that we want to pass down. How are we going to beat inflation in a sense? So I love that you pointed that out. If we're even in a more precarious position because our parents more than likely got had pensions. Mm-hmm. So that's guaranteed streams of income. Whereas the pension the pension um, act in 1996 basically allowed corporations to stop offering pensions. And so people kind of think that there's two things we're going to get. Social security check and a pension. Well, mm-hmm. you may not get either one. <laughs> so, so we have to understand that yeah. there's no one in most jobs unless you're working for the federal government or maybe um, some municipalities, and they've even tweaked it a little bit. 
-hmm. You are responsible for your retirement. It used to be the reverse, where the company you worked for was responsible and they put money away for you. Now you have to do it in most corporations mm -hmm. because it's cheaper for them to do it that way. And the Pension Protection Act got all these companies, and like I said, this is 1996, this is a long time ago. And I think people still think that they're going to get some kind of pension or their pension is the same. And so that's different because our parents got pensions mm -hmm. and that's going to be different from us. And that, so you speak, and so that's guaranteed income, but also, like you said, is the money that we're putting away um, keeping up with inflation? So that's the first thing that grab, that reduces your money. So just because you have $100,000, it's got to last, well, first of all, a long time. And, you know, I always talk about, do you know what your number is? And have you, it, you know, have you taken into consideration inflation and how that's going to eat it up? That's why you can't sit in, your, all your money can't sit just in the savings account earning 0.01%. Because mm -hmm. it's not going to keep up with inflation inflation and you have to take a look at doing some things um, in order to make sure you earn as much money as you can and even with what you're doing we you know we call leveraging and hedging it's sophisticated but it is something that actually some people think it sound risky but actually it's a hedge Mm -hmm. So in some situations, lots of situations um, with companies, you might own a whole lot of a company stock um, and doing futures contracts. I probably shouldn't because that's one of the things I, I'm not saying to do it, but I'm just saying, but doing mm -hmm. futures and options and things like that actually allows you, gives you a hedge on that company stock that you own. Mm -hmm. But that's the story that we have to tell because people mm -hmm. need to understand. And that. you're so right about that. Uh, my husband and I, we were having a conversation recently about, you know, pensions and everything. So, uh, and I didn't even think about it because I'm like you, my father was a cop. So yes, he retired with his pension, you know, and, but for my, for us, you know, my husband is in safe in, in public safety. He doesn't have that pension the way that they did back in the day for other the public. Exactly. So, exactly. so you're right. We had to get creative and basically right. understand how to allocate our money, you know, and, and, exactly. and I, I'm, exactly. I'm like you, I say, don't put any of the mattress, but you know, having money in your savings does help because you can access it anytime. Whereas there's a lot of different accounts. When you start investing, you can't access right away or you have to wait for certain, but we have to plan these things out. You have to know what kind of account you have. And like you said, if you want to get sophisticated by trying a futures trade, well, when you make that money, what account are you going to put it in so it can grow better and safe, right. you know, right. allocate so you that money. So you still have to have, I'm glad you said that, because we're still talking about buckets. Mm -hmm. It's just not one account anyway. You know, I always say that when people, well, which one is the best? Sometimes it's not just one. Usually it's never just one. It's And that's why we talk about diversifying, doing some of this, doing that, looking at what your risk tolerance, understanding what your risk tolerance is. You absolutely have to have that savings account because that is, at least you know that money's, nothing's going to happen with mm -hmm. that. But do you need to sit, have a million dollars sitting in that savings account? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> 
once again, it depends on your, you know, maybe you do. Yeah, if you got other accounts, but... but (laughs) Yeah, but that is what's going back, the whole planning. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody's picture is going to be different. So that's another thing I know we just talk about is you could talk to your friend all you want to. Her family situation is going to be different than yours. I'm going to give different advice to your to that person. It is not the same. And when people come and say, well, this person did this, that worked for them, but do you really know if it's going to work for you? Is it really the right thing for your family? Um, and you need to really know the answer to that question. You need to know how it's going to work for you and your, and your family. I love it. You never know. Maybe that person mm-hmm. should be working on reducing their debt before mm-hmm. you're starting it to put a, you know, so, or you can do it simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Once again, it goes back to having a plan. Having Not a plan. plan. What do you, what's your, what does your picture look like? Let's just all be honest because that's how wealthy people got wealthy. They mm-hmm. were honest with themselves and they actually had a plan. That's right. And, and that's another thing too, having a plan and, the assistance with expertise to help you along that plan. Um, and guys, right. this is why we're sharing because Christine is not going to tell you all those different accounts that's out there and sit you down and make a customized sheet or a plan like Sanji was because why she has her certificates. It's important that when you get a financial advisor and you're ready to take these steps and start planning that you go to someone that understands the whole system they are certified and they know how they can make your money with your situation be the best valuable plan for you. So that's that's something that you really hit on. I love that because um, you have a lot of different plans to offer depending on people's situation. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. So I do, and that's what it kind of, it, it, it should always start out with a plan. I have clients lots of clients and they don't just do investing with me they have other they do other things but I just pull it all together um, and I'm starting to do something called a one-page financial plan most everything is going to be sometimes 30 or 40 page binder but everybody likes simplicity and what I look at number one is let's focus on what's important to you uh, living is, is it living right now? Is it do you owe debt? Is it just growing? Let's focus on two or three things first. Let's look at the plan and let's put it in buckets because your plan does change. But let's look at one page and, and see where everything is and see and then also advise on how we're going to get there. And I love it because it's something you can pull up and look at your net worth and you can also see your net worth go up. Um, so we haven't even talked about accounts and what you're going to be doing, but you, we just want to look at, well, where am I today? Right? That's my today. truth. Yeah. And, yeah. And then with all the things that I'm going to do, how am I going to look down the road? And how is this going to look down the road? What is my cash flow going to look as I'm investing in these different accounts? And how do I get from, you know, how do I get my $5 million portfolio you know, exactly, and it's going to show you uh, exactly the steps and how. And of course, there's going to be some changes because your lifestyle may change. You can change jobs. You might have a business that blows up. All of that stuff is a factor. But that that plan is so important 
it is so important to have a, 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 a written document so that you can see everything. Are you protected? And then with us making all this money, Christina, now you got to do some estate planning. And yeah, that's what I was so thinking. You don't all this money and just give it all away. Are you planning out them taxes? That's exactly what I was thinking because that's going to be a lot of money and costly also if you don't plan it right. If you don't plan it right, you're giving up a whole lot of money in taxes. Um, you're giving a whole lot of, of money in, in even the estate. The worst thing that can happen is, God forbid, you die and you didn't leave any wills or things. So now a whole lot of money got to go, depending on what state you're in. Now a whole lot of money got to go to lawyers. and So that's why it's so important to have a team. Just look at it. You're the CEO of your household. Mm -hmm. You got to have a team put together and you got to have some kind of plan in place. And I always talk, when I talk about plans too, you don't have to do... Once you have a financial plan in place, you can do any. You can open up accounts anywhere you want to. Hopefully, you use my advice or in yeah. my team, the folks that I work with, advice. But you could just do what you wanted to do. Most of the time, people don't because why? <laughs> but, but you could have. You could do. You could do a lot of different things because guess what? You got a roadmap. That's what I like to call it. It's a road. Now you got a roadmap. So that is really the first way uh, to start looking at it, to put all the pieces together. I love it. And when you say, uh, so I'm just trying to think of suggestions to probably give some of the audience. Um, maybe they don't know what, like where to start first. Um, should they look, if they are homeowners. Um, and guys, this is just not for if we're older, our parents or anything like that. I'm thinking, Christina, you know. What yep. what should I be planning first? Should I go ahead and make sure I have my uh, my estate planning done? Because we're living in a pandemic. You just never know when things happen, no matter how old or young we are. Yeah. We are living in a pandemic. And the, over the last two years, it has, even, it has become more important for everybody to be looking at doing, and estate planning is looking at doing the wills. Um, and it could be as simple as, checking your 401k at work and who you have listed as your beneficiary start there mm -hmm. um it's a it's amazing how um, someone may have listed let's say it's a second marriage in in there somewhere and they mm -hmm. forgot to take the, the previous wife off in many cases they that's still so get their mama on there. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They just didn't think about it. Didn't girl. think about it. You are absolutely right. Yeah. Right? So, so it starts. It's <laughs> something as simple as checking your beneficiaries on your 401k and your IRA. Because a 401k and your IRA, the league, that's the legal document. It doesn't matter if you have a will. Whatever that 401k or that life insurance is, the beneficiaries, that's who's going to get the money. So that's mm -hmm. first. And then, <laughs> especially if you have a young family and things like that, you probably do want to work on some kind of simple will. And that depends on how much wealth you have, too. Um, some kind of simple will. 
just to make directions and give instructions in case something happened to you. Um, what what would you want for the children? Mm-hmm. Who would you want to do something for the children? Something very simple. I think it most importantly is always checking out who's on the 401k. Who, what, how's everything titled? If you have wealth and assets, then you are going to start looking at a trust and doing a simple trust. Um, and that's because somebody's going to control that trust and the money is not going to just go everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to be your instructions and directions. And so that's part of protecting your assets um, that you have. And it is actually very important, especially in this um, environment. Um, I've worked on, I've had uh, a couple of my clients that actually passed away this year from mm-hmm. COVID. And it has been, so what, that's one of the things too, too, I always say in this business as, a, as a, an advisor, putting plans together and all that stuff, you know you did a good job, a really excellent job, and I'm, I'm sad to say, but especially when the client dies. Because yeah. when it goes smoothly and the distributions go to everybody that's supposed to go and you're not having any, if nobody's fighting, because mm-hmm. you put you put everything in place, it is so amazing the difference. And so I'm just you know just from the experience, you know years ago it was book learning. Yeah. Now, it's, <laughs> I, <laughs> right? So, You're right. Years ago, it was yeah. Book now it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I made them do this, this, this. That experience. Um, so it's very it's it's very important, you know. I, but I do believe that you first start with that um, mm. really your retirement plans. There are other things you can do, and that's a whole nother whole nother part. <laughs> but you definitely want to stay stay there, and you definitely want to. Nobody wants to think about it, but the environment that we're in, you mm-hmm. kind of have to. Yeah, and, and you're right. And even if um. And I always tell people if you're because sometimes we get excited when we first start learning how to invest. So you open up a Robinhood account or you go to TD America, you using right. Thinkorswim, right. you go to Swap because right. so many things we can do ourselves, even though we're excited, you know, make sure you take the time and don't skip over the beneficiary there, too. You know, because if you start right. making some money on your investments and trading, there's nobody listed. Right. Right. That's a so problem. the other thing, too, with the whole this whole thing is. Most of these accounts, Robinhood, I'm sure, if it's any kind of brokerage account, most of them also ask for a trusted contact. Because most of the time, mm-hmm. you don't just die. But you could be in a coma. You could be, you know what I'm something saying? Something can happen. Um, something can happen. And mm-hmm. so listing at least a trusted contact who is not the beneficiary. Right. It's just somebody that in case something happens, we know we can talk to this person and find out, oh, mm-hmm. this person is sick, and then we can either freeze the account or whatever to hear from that person. All kinds of things that uh, can be done. So it's it so is true. very important. To, it's very important to think about that. Those things. Yeah, that's so true. And I love how you also pointed out um, making that will. You know, making sure you have something in writing too, because that's that's a huge factor. You know. Um, and the peace that you experienced from the from going through this whole, unfortunately, experiencing it, but you seeing how your 
your experience is kicking in when, when there's death. That is such a comfort. Um, guys, I don't know if you realize it because you less, you're less stressed. You're giving your body time to mourn. You don't have to hurry up and clear out a house because nobody has a document. They have to put the house out for sale. You know, it's, it's a whole lot of chaos that doesn't have it to happen. <laughs> people, sisters and brothers. It's sad. It is sad because sisters and brothers are no longer talking to each other. Um, for years, and a lot of it is because, and we, it is really because we didn't know any better, right? Um, the wealth that has been lost in our community because we didn't do trust or we didn't do will is a huge factor. If we look at um, Hilton Head, North Carolina, you know, that was all black-owned property. Yeah. Uh, not North Carolina, South Carolina. And because we didn't have the right legal documents, we lost out, and then what happened is a lot of folks talk about airland, and you know. But when someone owns it and they die, and let's say they had five kids, now it all belongs to all five kids, and then one child want their money out of it. It's just messy. Messy. <laughs> it's yeah. Messy. Um, or somebody doesn't pay the property taxes because that's all it takes. When it's really, really chaotic, mm. you can go down to the courthouse because nobody can figure out who really owns it. And the courthouse, and you could actually go down to the courthouse on property like that and buy it just because nobody can figure out who really owns wow. it. So it's a lot um, that we have to do. We have to, we do have to document things um, and wills. And a will and trust is very important, actually, mm -hmm. to your whole plan. And so that's one of the things I, I actually, you know, I do. That's a check, that's a check mark. Um, is discussing whether, you know, my client, whether you have one. It's not, that's why it's always important. It's not just the money. See, wealth isn't just earning the money, mm -hmm. protecting the money, and then providing a way for it to last for generations. That's where your estate planning comes into. So it's, it's very important. And so I ha you have to do all of it. And so, um, I, my, my story about this, my client, it's, it's funny because I sat down with her and she sat down with her, all her kids. Mm. And she basically told them, you're going to get this, this, and this, and this is what's going to happen if something should happen to me. And she was like, matter of fact, she was so funny. I <laughs> loved her. No one would have thought a year later she yeah. was going to be gone. But let me just tell you, because we did that trust and because um, it was the smoothest transition mm. ever, because everybody already knew. <laughs> there was no confusion. There was no confusion. Mm -hmm. They already knew that you will get a certain amount of money at this age. You will get this money if you finish your degree. It was no confusion <laughs> whatsoever. They already knew that. Don't go out here and spend, you know what, you're not getting this money, go spend this car, go to car, because grandma already told, she told you this last year, but now she really is gone. Yeah. So everything she already said, well, you can get this money, you gotta go to school, get a degree. And now if you choose not to go to school, that's on you. You're not going to get this, buddy. No. 
And so they already know what the deal is. But that means that the money continues growing. Mm -hmm. It has an opportunity to keep growing. And even though they may be a little, they're not disappointed because they already knew. But when they get to be in their 50s, because she's basically laid it out, this is what you get at this age, this age, and then at 50, you get the whole shebang. And this is what wealthy people do. Because mm-hmm. not only that, now you got this long period of time for it to invest and to accumulate and to grow. Um, and hopefully by then you've learned a couple of different things too. And so you're you're wealthy. So you're going to get this this money at that age. So it's very important. It's, it's, it's a very, and that is what wealthy people do. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the difference between what rich people do, rich, and wealthy, difference. That's a huge difference. That's one of the things that they do is they, they make sure that they have their legal documents straight. I love how you they said understand. not only their legal documents, but they're planning for. For generations, 50 years from now, 100 exactly. years from now, 200 from exactly. years from now, they're planning this out. And and exactly. important part that you hit is that because they have their documents in place, they're not allowing, uh, how can I say it, money, to, money left on the table. You know, they know right. where that something that whatever, like if it's money or if it's a house, if it's real estate, exactly. is going to be passed on for generational wealth. Exactly. Whatever asset. So wealthy people create income for others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they, and that's exactly what she did. Yeah. She created income for her grandchildren. And we are not... And we're not talking about, um, I'm going to mess it up. See, I was trying to be cute and have a little joke, guys, but it didn't, I'm not quick like my husband. What is that? The, the, it's a, the clearinghouse. They come... And you get money and then uh, they pay you every so much. Yeah. yeah, it's but not like that. It's real money. money. <laughs> right. It's real money. Right. The clearinghouse. For, for other people. So that's a, and that's a mindset. That's what we have to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess what? We can do it all. It, you know, sometimes it sounds like, oh, this is so much. It's just too much. But we can do all of it. Mm-hmm. We can do all of this. I don't care if it's $2 you're going to leave to your grandchild. Leave it. That's right. That's two dollars they didn't have. And if you take it from me, you could put two dollars in futures, and you could grow that to two hundred real quick, <laughs> and allocate that money. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm talking about, right there. So there's a way to do it, and we got we we are helping uh, our community, and you know, I it's a blessing to me. Like I felt so good that I was like, okay, we went through all of this and this was the end. But I felt so good mm. because I, I not only saw the transfer of wealth to the daughter, but now I also experienced a transfer of wealth to the grandchildren. Wow. Right? And so now I'm setting up so that these young, the grandchildren are going to make sure that they can uh, transfer their wealth to mm. their children. So this it. is it's exciting. It's it's what we should all strive to be doing. We're going to make this money. we definitely going to make this money. But we just want to make sure also that we understand and learn all the strategies mm-hmm. or as many strategies as possible and as many options 
to not only make this money work for ourselves during our lifetime, but to pass on a good portion to see the next generation. You know, every other culture, um, we're behind because we of lack of knowledge. Um, other cultures, if you think about it, if you have the ability to put a down payment on a house for your child, it's that's amazing, right? Yeah. Um, we're not going to get into credit today, but if you have the money to put down down payment on a house for your child when they get to be of age, that's amazing. They are way ahead. Way ahead. As opposed to the majority of us have to scrape it together or we got to get the second loan and all of this stuff and the stress. Mm. We are always paying more money. We are paying a higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. All of that factors into our wealth. So we have to start building this and thinking about, you know, I want to at least be able to do that. And how about saddling our children with college debt? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. $300,000 or even just $100,000 they come out of school in debt. So right. we're already behind, right? So we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of strategies to remove debt and grow money and do well and I'm just I'm just honored to be in this industry and I just want to teach people and show them you know this is how we, we put it together this is it is a puzzle you always do the heavy mm. there you know that yeah you're gonna always do the heavy lifting but let's let's just just show you the best way to make sure we accumulate um, and we distribute mm -hmm. this in a fashion that's going to be beneficial to your family and especially your children. And I got to tell you, we probably will have to do another podcast because guys, I hope you picked up what she was saying towards the end of that. Um, we, we really do spend so much money on, like you said, we don't have enough money just to put a down payment down. We're paying mortgage insurance. We're paying all these extra fees and things that we don't even have to, that don't even have to be included and our right. monthly payment, but we are in our credit scores when they're not uh, with, with, you know, the system requires in a sense, right. you're right. already paying way more interest by itself. So you're so right. All these strategies of planning, writing it down, seeing your truth where you are now and getting where you yep. want to be is, yep. is saving thousands of now, dollars. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Hundreds. Yeah. When we talk about a house, the difference between a high interest rate, look, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. It really is. It really um, is. It really is. It. Oh my goodness, it is. Ah, I, I. So I'm hoping you guys are picking this up, um, and and reaching reach out to us if you have questions. Um, if you're in the membership, you have. Um, I have a, like a utilization sheet to where you can see the compound interest on your home. So you can really see how much interest that is and how you can actually right. knock it down faster. Right. But Sanji right. has these plans now that you can put in place. And like she said, small steps. It doesn't have to be, I'm planning for 50 years now, but no, start planning at least for this year and next year with her. Um, yep. What your goals are? What are you planning? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, I got a lot of stuff on my website that's free. Oh, can you tell um, me your website? Thank you for it's, telling me. www.s as in Sanji, r as in Rollins, t as in Tucker, wealthdesign.com. That's srt wealthdesign.com. Right down there. Um, I have, actually have two. <laughs> and you can go up there. There are calculators. There is a financial wellness quiz. Please take that. That's a that's a great uh, uh, resource. Um, and then there is a um, there's some checklists too. I'm probably going to just get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's easy. I love checklists. Mm-hmm. Most people like checklists. So I actually have a checklist of things that you should be considering for 2022. I can make that available. Now that's available on a different website, um, on the Martin Wealth by Design website. That's Martin Wealth by Design. Um, That website is, that checklist is available there. Awesome. And guys, we uh, only have a couple more minutes to wrap it up. Um, So I want you at this time to make sure you're looking at those sites. Take advantage of it. This is a lot of uh, information and checklists and everything, all these resources and tools that you can use. Everything that she explained to you should solidify how money is a protection. The more you know about your money, you understand your money, you strategize and allocate your dollars to work for you, not against you, then you're using money as a tool properly. Um, and so Sanji, any, any final, uh, advice you can give the audience? Last but least money is power, period. Money is power. And we should not, you know, I've said that before and people like, Oh, oh no, it doesn't mean it. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> <You> know, does. <laughs> money is power. At the end of the day, money is power. <laughs> not be ashamed to say that because mm-hmm. it is power. Um, and so we want to make sure that we focus our power and energy on making sure you're going into the right places and right channels and this is just a resource we are resources in order to be able to do that so that's last but you know that's the last thing is to remember money is power guys you heard it here first look at all the details below um, we're going to definitely uh, probably have Sanji again because we credit is a hot topic um, getting your credit in shape for 2022 please put that on the list and, mm-hmm. and, and buying a home increases your wealth instantly yep. versus somebody that don't. Yes. Yep. So we're yep. going to have her on, back on again to talk about that because, oh, my goodness, this was awesome. So yep. thank you so much for this, for being um, oh, a guest today. You. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Looking forward to talking again. Absolutely. Till next time, guys.